And then my phone died. Your phone died? Yeah, always. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it... Which one is the Harry Potter password? Hmm? Is it Cauda Draconis or Cup Draconis? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. Uh, but you're British. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Harry's like, of your people. <laughs> <laughs> Our proudest son. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Kappa Well, she evidently decided she was going to yank a bunch of stuff from Geomancy, given that Dumbledore and Hagrid are Albus and Rubius, respectively. So she clearly, like, cast her eye over something at some point. They were Latin words before mm-hmm. that they were figure names, too. Mm-hmm. He is an old man and a, and a West Country ruddy-faced... The Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Collector of... Mm-hmm. This is a very long intro. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, so uh, uh, hi, hello, uh, welcome to Radio Free Golgotha. This is, I believe, episode nine. Oh, yeah. nice. This is our ninth episode, sort of, somewhere, something. Um, it is for the feast of Saint Martha, July twenty ninth, and uh, today our topics shall include uh, Martha. Uh, brought to you by the stone Hagstone. Yeah, adder egg, adder stone, mm-hmm. Hagstone. The herb. Yeah, it's a British. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm Harry all over again. All right, Harry, Harry, <laughs> Tarragon. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, that is how we say it. Yeah. <laughs> Tarragon. Mm-hmm. All right. So Tarragon, uh, the demon Klepoth. Klepot. Mm-hmm. Do you aspirate? Or do you- I I dip song it. Yeah. You Klepoth. T- uh, uh, and the correspondent uh, Eshu, which is Bombajira, the female Eshu, uh, <laughs> who is legion unto herself. Yay! Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to discuss household magic, mm-hmm. such as it is. And uh, yeah, we're also going to do uh, the major arcana will be the tower, mm-hmm. and our dead magician is Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Who said Cassandra here? Oh. I don't know. You guys like that ah? Uh-huh. That ah? Mm-hmm. Was it twat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, IPA says that twat is an acceptable pronunciation. Who, uh, to whom? British people. It was 4060. Mm. So, oppress the underdog there. And sorry, our, our geomantic figure is Caput Draconis and the corresponding Odu is Osa. Well, this is an interesting point, I think. I like what Vim van Binsbergen has to say about the idea of geomantic being a valid way of approaching a number of uh, binary-figured divination systems. He talks about the Yi Ching and Ifa and other uh, related um, traditions, oracles, as being of the geomantic family of divination mm-hmm. systems. And it removes the idea that geomancy is just the European thing, uh, or, or occasionally we might say Islamic geomancy. Yeah. Um, and rather, so I've been trying to reorient talking about, unless it's you know obvious by context, but at least the first time I raise it, trying to talk about Renaissance or Renaissance European geomancy. Mm-hmm. It's not the only one, but it is. It is a geomancy. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's an interesting balance with many things that we talk about, right? That uh, that we're interested in mm-hmm. the balance between using comparisons with other things to make sure that it is not 
viewed as monolithic and megalithic, but also the danger in that in using things outside of a system to justify its existence, which depending on which side of the coin you're on, politics being what they are is, you know, when you're, when you are validating, seeking to validate certain religious or spiritual traditions as valid to the exoteric community, basically putting on par with psychology or something like that. Mm. Um, then we ran into a danger point of, which is, you know, noble savagery and, uh, exoticism, uh, which also means that we can then use all languages metaphor, but then you're also able to use, uh, things that have nothing to do with the thing to justify your scant scant. That's not what I mean. Your, well, your scant, what am I trying to say? Oh my God. You're, you're, skewed view on something that is not scant at all. I don't know where I was trying to say something in some language. Um, but it's a, it's a good thing to consider what that balance is, I think. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, Feast of St. Martha, Klepoth, Pomogira, Tarragon, Hagstones, Household Magic, Kappa Draconis doesn't scare me. Uh, Osa <laughs> does scare me. Uh, ta- the Tower and Cassandra. Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Cassie. Um, but not Opia. So, um, okay, Martha? So, Martha. Yeah. So we run down as we normally do when we're, you know, doing our bits of research and pondering and putting things together. So I went through the Golden Legend, as I, I usually do, as these things normally start. And there's a couple lines that, that uh, stood out at me as, as really interesting. Um, obviously, there's the, the great description of the, the dragon, mm-hmm. the, the beast, the river beast mm-hmm. uh, occasionally part in fish or part turtle I mean it says part fish I think right, right. and then it's often interpreted as part Chelonian mm-hmm. oh really yeah ah. it's often depicted as like an ankylosaurus type of creature yeah 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 because fish walking on land confuses people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so half serpent half fish is like what is that is it a giant eel <laughs> like but anyway yeah but one of the things that struck me before we got to you know that stuff or her um you know, raising the dead or other bits and pieces was just, uh, there's a, a throwaway line where it says, it is nowhere read that Martha had ever any husband nor fellowship of man, but she as a noble hostess ministered and served our Lord. And I like this idea because it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's expressly saying that she's virginal and chaste, uh, but it also is, is, I don't know, it feels like it's trying to she's get- a spinster. This is like a spinster archetype. Right. Like this is in many ways. I mm-hmm. mean, not to interject right away, but no, no, I mean like, okay, so, Martha. Martha is, by tradition, the sister of Mary and Lazarus, and there is a lot of contention throughout history as to whether that Mary is Mary Magdalene or not. Yeah. So, by popular folk imagination, absolutely, they are, that is the Trinity, friends of Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of similarity uh, between Mary Magdalene and Martha's story in general, Um, and there's some really interesting research coming out of um, a grad student at Harvard right now, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but the idea that there is a woman who was doing household chores and then there was Mary, Mary, her sister who was listening to Jesus and Mary is concerned the whole time with keeping up the house chores. Mm. And there's this relationship with Jesus there. There's also her presence at Lazarus's resurrection, which is the significance of that is not just Lazarus coming back from the dead, which is a miracle performed by Jesus, but it happens right before the Passion Week. Lazarus Saturday is the last Saturday before, the last day of Lent, really, because it's right before Palm Sunday. And how officially biblical is it that Lazarus is her brother? 
Lazarus and Martha are always listed. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the difference is there is um, there's some speculation um, and research to support it by a woman, um, Elizabeth Schrader, out of uh, a doctoral candidate at, at uh, in and she published an article in the Harvard Theological Review that was saying that one out of five ancient Greek documents, the oldest ones, and one out of three Latin documents show that there was a conflation between Mary and Martha and that they may have originally been the same person because the earliest one she can find in Greek on a papyrus from the second century crosses out Maria, changes the iota to a, to a TH. Hmm. So it is evident that there was somebody trying to change the story of Maria to be about Martha. Hmm. And biblically, I think it's in John, uh, she points out that uh, only one is mentioned as a sister of Lazarus at a time. They are at other times all listed together, but in earliest depictions, including third century sarcophagi and reliquaries, um, it's one woman standing at the resurrection of Lazarus, mm. and two came in much later. So there's evidence to support that Mary, and if it was Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene and Martha are the same person mm. originally, and they got divided into sisters. Mythologically, this happens all the time, right. um, which is interesting because I grew up thinking of them as different powers and different regencies. They both are incredibly necromantic, uh, meditating with skulls and, and dragons and things like that, mm-hmm. and raising the dead. But uh, I find that that there is evidence to support that not, we don't know what the what the aim of that was. When is it was it correcting the story and saying no 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 that's not it. It was Martha that was there mm. and somebody did it. Or is it like this Mary person is really powerful uh, because <laughs> we keep on describing just Mary. Yeah. There's Mary mother of Salome, Mary Ma- Mary mother of the sons of Zab- um, Zabdi, right. um, Mary mother of Jesus, Mary mother uh, Mary the Magdalene. Mm-hmm. So there's just all these Marys that are getting conflated and maybe it's a little bit like let's start organizing things differently. Right, give them a different, slightly different name. Yeah. One that, that can then fit in with that can be that can be tipexed in. Mm-hmm. But there but the to go back to Golden Legend's story and what is popular popularly said is that um, or at least playing off Golden Legend because Lazarus, Mary Magdalene and Martha are always tied together. And if you're talking French lore, which is important for Martha mm. Sarakali, the 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 assistant, the oh. Sarah the Egyptian is with them. Mm-hmm. So they are put in a in a boat without sails mm-hmm. from the Holy Land and set a cast a, a cast a cast adrift adrift wow a gast <laughs> a vast me hearties um, out into the into the waters and it was if you want to tie it into sorry I have a rat who's drinking in the background and uh, he doesn't understand the need to stay quiet during recording sessions. Yes, that's a very, very good rat. Thank you. Okay, so uh, in the legend that includes Saint Sarah is uh, that she was the handmaiden to uh, the the three Marys, mm-hmm. um, which includes Martha as one of the Marys, um, and that she prays to calm the storm, and it all uh, she uh, uncovers her head, um, which is bold, and uh, vows never to cover her head again. Right, right, um, right. Hence the uh, the scarf stuff with her statue mm-hmm. so the folk magic of uh, almost torturing her by putting a head coming back on her and when she grants your request undoing it but they end up in France mm-hmm. um, at Marie de la Mer which is uh, the folk is a, is a cathedral which is the only known real site of worship of Saint Sarah mm. um, and it is the, the Rom Saint uh, where, where there's a festival every 24th 25th of May um, that said Martha lands with her sister and her brother and there's all these different holy sites around France 
to Mary Magdalene, and Martha is basically tied to the Pyrenees, like, and, like, this area on either side of it very, very strongly. And there's this damn Tarasca that's wandering around that they think came from Galicia originally. They blame it on some northern dragon oh, yeah? that's coming down to piss them off. Coming over here. Yeah, <laughs> stupid foreigners. Um, totally the attitude. And uh, Martha Martha does a unique thing, and it's I think it's using holy water especially, mm-hmm. which is why she carries the holy water aspergillum with her, yeah, yeah. which is sometimes a censer, but is oftentimes actually the holy water canister. The censer seems more popular in like modern iconography. Yes, and I think it's, I think, honestly, it's a, a misreading of her carrying a bucket anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but she basically baptizes, not chases away, because the Tarasca becomes converted. The Tarasca is not subdued and killed, the Tarasca follows her around. Oh, oh of course. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so the Tarasca is no longer an agent of chaos and the devil. He's now working for Martha, which brings up totally amazing like um, parallels within Tibetan Buddhism going in and being like, cannibalistic deity, let's just uh, sit in the temple and yeah. when I die, then I'll come back in a reincarnated form and convert the deity again and be like, do you know why you should accept the Dharma? Here's why. Um, and <laughs> I'll see you in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I like this idea that Martha converts and embraces through love and then the sacrament of baptism not expels yeah no that's that's beautiful i mean the account in the golden legend is that she um cast on him holy water and showed him showed to him the cross as well whether the sign of the cross which feels kind of justinary but Mm -hmm. it's not unique to her obviously um but then no they say that uh you know she bound him with her own girdle which Mm -hmm. i like as well the the use of the girdle feels very um strength card as well uh, uh, but then uh, the beast is slain with spears and glaives of the people. So I, I like the the idea that you know the dragon is brought on side more. Yeah, uh, makes uh, yeah. Makes there's a, the lore is so me. strange and how it goes um, all over the place because there's the the Mondragon references in Spain of uh, just the different feasts that and it's always associated with the Tarasca. Um, and uh, this this beast that was either slain or continues to live, you know, these, what is the the Museum of Witchcraft quote? Uh, mm-hmm. And it still goes on and today. still goes on today. Yes. Um, but the idea that the, the Tarasca is, is able to come out at any time and, hello! <laughs> right, and it's, I, I like the, the, the kind of chimeric appearance of it as well. It feels um, a little alchemical, a little, dare I say, sort of grimoric. The idea of this... The, 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 the account I found of uh, a great dragon, half beast and half fish, greater than an ox, longer than a horse, having teep sh- teeth sharp as a sword and horned on either side, head like a lion, tail like a serpent, and defended him with two wings on either side. And there's various other stuff that then sounds kind of uh, odd as well about... Um, and when he is pursued, he casts out his belly behind his ordure, the space of an acre of land to them that follow him, and is as bright as glass, and what it touches, it burneth as fire. So you've got this, like, water beast, mm-hmm. um, also fiery, a uh, mixture of all these different animals, which obviously brings up that thing that I think we've talked about before with the idea of, um, from a strictly natural history point of view, of, of, of working out what a thing is by what it looks like. Uh, of, of, of assembling it from other things. Oh, it's like this, but it has the head of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I don't know. It just it felt um, if the if the purpose is overcoming it or converting it in some way, that already feels not just soteriological but somewhat alchemical mm-hmm. in terms of this this uh, this thing that behaves in odd ways and, and, and burns things up and is um, remedied comes from water and remedies back to water and these kinds of principles. I like the the parallel with that too of 
these are people by tradition that knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. And by modern tradition, you have the traditions of the Magdalene being the wife of Jesus. Well, that's, that seems to be a fairly modern interpretation. Um, have no, but it's great. I think that, you know, saints, like everything should serve the value centers of what's needed. And if it's to counteract the extreme, uh, patriarchal uh, oppression of that, it, that it's been taken to, then that's good too. It shows that the saints are actually alive. Mm. Um, and even if they dismantle the, the church itself, <laughs> um, especially if they dismantle the church itself. Uh, but that their take on conversion here, these, all the myths surrounding that Trinity of people and even Surah Kali um, is not about eliminating through the sword. It's not, the Pauline conversion of going and decimate a people and replace it with Christianity. It's like, let me show you why this is important. Let me, t- let me actually talk to you about Jesus as a person, as a, as a, as a messenger, as light, um, and love. And, and Martha's such an interesting action because there, there's lore with her that turns into, because Martha seems to mean, I think it means mistress mm-hmm. in Aramaic. Um, like the, like the opposition of master, not the, um, not the third, not the, not the interlocutor, uh, um, but, uh, the interloper, my vocabulary is all over the place. Yes. The dialogue of lust. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, all things with the tongue. Uh, but that Martha herself becomes a figure that when you go into a lot of right-handed, left-handed lore, or let's just talk about good and bad, that early on in, in early modern Spain, early, early modern Spain, mm-hmm. um, early squared, very something, late medieval, very late medieval, the traditions of, uh, Martha the good and Martha the bad become saints that are both invoked. And there is no, um, they become conflated whether they were two different figures at first, but, um, Martha la Mala becomes this leader of demons and, um, these things that subjugate other people. And some people even say that that's the Martha that rides the Tarasca that, you know, the other one, like she split herself in two somehow Mm -hmm. when this conversion happened and she like part of her becomes saint. Some, you know, so I've, I've read, um, one song. I've never heard it sung, but I've, uh, read it that uh, she actually died fighting the Tarasca, so she became an instant saint, and she immediately went back to guide the people and show how to work. So the Tarasca won in some way, but the part of her that, that, that the, the dying and pain and everything, which is a lot of left-handed Saint Laura's, like the human side, becomes this figure that can be worked with in another way. It's the means by which she gains her, her wings. Yeah. And, and so it's absorbed into her. And literally the bad one gains its wings by the Tarasca's wings. Yeah, yeah. So it's this, and you see the the wonderful kind of almost fairy queen imagery in some woodcuts and illustrations of this weird conglomerate chimera with a woman on it, like guided by the cross. Mm. And Martha becomes, I think, um, a very popular image in modern saint cult, especially amongst the, um, the younger set, the younger crowd that does not conflict the same way that a lot of the older neo-pagan crowd does. And what I mean by that is that there is a trend in the last 10 to 15 years that is incorporating more of Christianity into a neo-pagan framework, Mm. which um, is the framework of modern magic. Let's face it. Um, It is the popular framework. I'm not saying it's the only framework, but Mm -hmm. something when it becomes popular, it, it meets the dominant paradigm. And Martha becomes a guise for Hecate. Martha becomes a guide for the psychopomp. Martha becomes a guise, not a guide. Um, She is a guide, but Mm -hmm. I'm not pronouncing my consonants well today. 
Um, and so she becomes right, when this... she gets a torch. Yeah, she has her torch, the torch of St. Martha that is reversed. Like, what are these things? She becomes the, the guide of what that is. And plus being witness to Lazarus and miracles of resurrection attested to her. Um, I just, I find her such an interesting figure because yeah. of that. Um, yeah, so she has all sorts of stuff around. I like the fact that she's not just... Uh, uh, a dead razor, but she's also a vegetarian dead razor, uh, which there does seem to be some correlation between, uh, not exclusively, but uh, it's always nice when, when you, you hear that. That she eschewed flesh and all fat, meat, eggs, cheese, and wine, apparently. Um, You're not as good a vegetarian as her, Al. No, no, no. Um, but, you know, part of the joy of, of, of being the kind of vegetarian I am is, is, is appreciating the, the deep alchemy of cheese. Um, uh, on many, many levels. I wish I could eat it. Oh. Yeah, um, sorry, I, I can. It just invokes its own demons. <laughs> uh-huh. So she, um, yeah, she raises uh, a young lad who is so enamored with coming to see her speak mm-hmm. that he tries to swim across a river, the river of, of Rhone, apparently. It's, this mm-hmm. is in Avignon, right? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, the Tarasca was roaming outside of Avignon, too, so you have this whole, like... Uh, the Avignon Papacy type of like lore in that whole area, but you know, heretical France and Spain. So she saves stuff. another thing out of the water. Mm-hmm. In short, he, he drowns on the way there, um, but he's taken up and presented at the feet of Martha. And um, she then, quote, in the manner of a cross, fell down to the ground and prayed in this manner um, and uh, prayed to Adonai and, and, and Lord Jesus Christus and took him by the hand and forthwith he arose living and received the holy baptism as well crucially so again you've got this notion of like taking something that slithered out of the water that everyone's very unhappy about whether or not it's the corpse of a you know a young uh, starstruck fan or uh, or a horrible chimeric uh, dragonfish beast monster and converts and uh, and thus brings and also the fact that the, the whole I mean obviously it's not unique to her either but the whole falling down and getting up that's something that she's also said to have done regularly one mm-hmm. of the um, the features of just how holy she was was that she would um, you know was it, uh, kneel down and, and, and bowed her knees a hundred times a day and a hundred times a night mm-hmm. which uh, again feels like one of those kind of uh, slightly mantrary things right yeah and certainly the I think also the the servant side of things that she was so obsessed with the household chores and Jesus kind of pushes her away from that and her reprimanding of Jesus when he comes, when he finds out Lazarus is sick and comes and she's like, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Like Mm. you are the reason he's dead, which is that whole instant transference. And he's like, he'll rise again. And she says, I know he'll rise again because you've talked about the judgment day and I get that, but I'm still pissed off. Right. uh, Is the sentiment. I'm not quoting (laughs) directly here. Um, but that uh, Jesus then asks her, do you, do you believe that, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and life type of thing? Um, and uh, that she says, yes, I believe this. And Jesus says, take me to him and resurrects him. And this is also the key point of, of and Jesus wept. Mm. Um, Jesus cries at the... At for, the for, there were no, for there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, <laughs> of course you went there. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, it's the and I remember the what is it? Um, Chariots of Fire. Is mm-hmm. that the movie? Maybe. Yeah, I hope it is. In my head, I'm confusing with Blazing Saddles and thinking Flaming Chariots, which is not really what it is. <laughs> but like, what happens when you win? When you achieve your goal? Mm. You know, it's not just I'm going to Disneyland anymore. <laughs> like, 
the, the huge letdown, the kind of the kind of Monte Cristo thing of like you yeah. get your revenge and what happens to you afterwards. Yeah. Now that you've made your life about one specific thing, not a guiding question, not once something that can drive you forward, but like once it's accomplished, what happens? And so this again, this trinity of people that that made their lives about Jesus and witnessed this horrible thing mm. um, within the context of of, of everything and. and go to a foreign land where people are like, who are you? Like, <laughs> seriously, you're talking about some dead dude that may or may not have risen from the dead. We don't know. We don't trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, but Martha as a saint of the common person is really interesting. She becomes the the saint for the daughters that weren't pretty enough to get married right away. She becomes the saint for the women to control men, mm. um, control the beast in man and tame it. Um, you know, certain saints have that reputation of beastiousness and she earns hers because of the Tarrasca, not necessarily because of her own nature. Mm. She was a little bit overbearing, let's say in the gospels, but I I find that interesting. Like, you know, we're recording today is St. Christopher's day and I'll get my blog post up today, but Christopher is an overlooked saint as well because he's a giant ogre of a man. And he served the devil before serving Jesus. And that part is forgotten. So there is like this whole conversion that happens to him of serving the most powerful thing. He serves a physical king. The king crosses himself at the devil. He thinks the devil's more powerful, serves, vows to serve the devil. And then um, uh, something happens where the, the devil or a demon crosses, like gets scared of, or gets repelled by the sign of the cross and says, fine, I'll serve him. Where is he? And the conversion of that. St. Christopher is used in early modern Iberian magic, both New World and Old World, um, quote unquote, uh, scare quotes, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, of Christopher is used when you've already had relations with a man and want to continue talking to him. Mm-hmm. Martha is used to tie the nature of a man, period. Mm-hmm. And both of them have these things associated with him, which I find wonderfully interesting. So, hmm. yeah. So, when do we get to Martha the Dominator then? Hmm. Well, the influence is there with Martha La Mala already, that there is uh, Martha the bad, Martha the evil, who is already being mentioned, along with, um, literally, she's called La Draga, in the, like, the, dra- the female dragon, um, alongside Maria Padilla, um, by the time you get, so, the historical 13th century woman who, we don't know if Maria Padilla was originally the same Maria Padilla of, of, of Pedro the Cruel, but, like, it starts getting so confused, and anytime someone starts referencing it, Maria Padilla is always referenced with the, with the lame devil, and then oftentimes with Marta la Mala and her demons coming with. Mm. So, there's a lot of conflation as to what this is. Some people just feel it's like the, the, the folk magic side coming in of tying men's nature and using things around the house to maintain household and to maintain upward mobility with Maria Padilla, who is always about ambition. Right. Um, and, and then to have Martha uh, keep appearances and, and make sure things are, are a certain way. Mm. Um, and using the, the traditional other things like St. Anthony to find a, a husband for your daughters by turning them upside down. There's, there's just the, the very attestable Catholic folk magic of early modern Spain, um, uh, which is just contemporary. I don't, I always have a problem saying early modern Mexico because like, what does that mean? Hmm. But, uh, contemporaneous, uh, Spanish colonies, um, which was a mixture of more than just European things, obviously. But I think Marta La Mala then be- lays the groundwork for Martha the Dominator, which is a whole other thing that's still being investigated, the roots, because in some areas she is 
a, a point of Aida Wedo that walks in the cemetery as a wife of the Baon, mm-hmm. uh, Baon Cimetier, um, or Baon de Cemeterio, actually, because it's in the, the DR that um, she exists. Yeah. Um, but the relationship of um, 21 Divisions with Haitian Voodoo is, is already such a thing of like, the denial on one side of like we we don't do what they do. Sure, sure. Um, and the very distinctive use of one icon, the the older one with the the dragon on the leash mm-hmm. for some stuff, and uh, and and for particular Loire and powers, as opposed to the the quote unquote newer Martha the Dominator, the Indian the Indian snake charmer image, right? Um, which then is also used for Mamiwata. Mm-hmm. So you get the the more modern expression of Mamiwata coming, which isn't is an older cult than people probably wanted to admit ten years ago because mm-hmm. it was not as researched. But Mamiwata, um, there's um, was it Sacred Waters? It's a fantastic book. It's like seven hundred pages thick with. Uh, we can swear on our own show. I can say shit ton. It's okay. <laughs> um, uh, of photos uh, that show that Mamiwata is a plethora of cults right. that go under that name um, of the, the the goddess of the waters, um, the deity of the waters that is brings riches and she's likes foreign things because she might herself be a foreigner. But there's also the debate of like are mermaids a European thing or were they imported? And you know what? They had mermaids too. They may like right. it's not like uh, convergent evolution does exist in the animal kingdom, so it should exist in mythology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of, of cryptozoology is is not unique to um, Europe. Right. But, uh, and the, the motherhood aspect as well, the, the idea of eventually having these fertility points is found, mm-hmm. even if we're, we're going to talk about contemporary iconography with, with this baby that suddenly turns up on the, on the Dominator statues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, Lots of babies, which were young children in some of the original things of just playing with the snake charmer type of thing, but then become interpreted as she's Lilith, she's these other demonesses mm-hmm. that are the serpent and the, 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 what she is, um, being all complexified. And this is all under the torchlight of, of Martha. And it seems apt because there are plenty of lady saints and Madonnas who, are you say it like your wife now. Considered, so. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, who are considered, you know, Potnotherian, you know, que- uh, mistress of beasts, mm-hmm. queen of, and, and this this connection to the animal kingdom. But it's expressly the, or I do not like the term, the supernatural. You know, it's expressly not the the unhuman, inhuman mysteries of the forest or of, of the beasts of the field. It's something weird and 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 uh, unnatural. Uh, that emerges into our world mm-hmm. uh, uh, and that must be um, repelled or exorcised or tamed and uh, that use of the girdle as well has, has a bunch of stuff um, mm. obviously attached I think that's interesting to distinguish between when a dragon is a serpent and representative of oh gosh well, it's, you know so many different things as it shed its skin across time and, 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 and slithered hither and thither and zigzagged and left that trail as distinct from a dragon as uh, de- demonic and as older maybe as, as, as primordial or antediluvian mm-hmm. those kinds of ideas um, and certainly tying into European demonology of these guys having been around for a while the the dangers in equating all dehorning the demons and those dangers of it of some demons are demonic by our modern standards and some demons are angelic by our modern standards and right. the the here the the dangers of 
our own interpretation always, you know, we always interpret according to what we're interpretating. Uh, we, 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 we impose ourselves upon the study and, uh, it's very good always to, to consider the opposite is still that thing of like, um, it's very popular to say that, uh, St. Patrick was ex- ex- getting rid of the Druids and those are the snakes. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it plays into a lovely myth for sure of what those things were. Well, it's, it's layers upon layers, right? Yes. It's which Patrick it's, it's, are we talking about the records we have of him at the time? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about the ones a century later? Are we talking about the ones like many centuries later when we're trying to turn him into this like action hero and <laughs> they're trying to HBO him up and, and, and talk about how Should he's like, gone with Bridget. Right. Right. And talk about how he's, you know, beheading fools left and right and, um, being a kind of an asshole. Yeah. And here you have the, the memory of anybody being, um, uh, being utilized by those that are, it will never the the accurate story will never be there. Mm. Um, everybody is a is a varied can of worms, uh, but the memories of the saints themselves. I mean, we look at popular folk heroes, even or just modern people of when they die. You know, some people choose not to speak ill of the dead, but there's also sometimes they're vilified for a very two dimensional per one dimensional image of them, and sometimes they're held up as heroic. And you're like, but they did all these things too. Um, which is the fullness of the, the the esoteric Christian side of the fullness of the body of Christ is that all those things exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the amazing thing, perhaps in the pseudo-Manichaean slash um, Bogomilian split that is like left-handed, right-handed saints, in, in, in whether it's called by that name or not, but the division between the earthly nature of a saint versus the heavenly nature of a saint and what is still burning off in purgatory type of thing, if, if it exists still under the current Pope, because I'm always very confused. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there's something interesting there in, in examining the, 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 the different memories of these things, and, and Martha herself uh, with the upright torch versus the, the Averse torch. Um, Averse? Yeah. Is down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Reverse, Averse. Um, it's like English is like, uh, it's like I've come from a foreign, uh, far away land and are trying to remember what, how English works. It's a good thing. There's an Englishman in the room. Um, but the, the, the downward torch is a common funeral, funereal implement and has been incorporated, uh, now, uh, to, to heavily be talked about with Martha. I don't know how far back it goes, but I know that the, the, the mention of the torch of St. Martha is a big thing and a big thing in my own workings and, and devotions to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and ankylosauruses. Sorai? Sauruses. Soru. <laughs> um, anything else about Martha you think is... I mean, there's a lot, but... Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll see a theme with the things we're bringing up today. It's just it, it felt like a good time for a shift in, in talking about many of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tarragon, obviously, ties very naturally into sure, yeah. an extension of, of, of Martha. Yeah, and uh, and a wider study of of draconic botany, mm-hmm. I guess it's the it's, it's, it's the dragonist one probably. Yeah. I, 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 I would guess, and the the you know the the simple explanation for why they're linked is that it is you know the the go to herb for her, right? It's it's named after the Tarasque as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a host of names that are also the dragon, whether that's uh, uh, Draconculus 
the you know in, in the esoteric Latin of, of Little Dragon, or the French has the same. Uh, medieval English has the same. Also calls it Dragon's Herb or or Dragon's Wart, apparently, or, or even Dragon's Mugwort because it is a, an Artemisia mm-hmm. and so connected to Mugwort. It's a temperamental Artemisia, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't. I mean, I guess from my experience of growing it uh, here in in New York, it just it's very easy. Mugwort grows because it's um, a quote unquote weed. Mm-hmm. Like it, you cannot stop Mugwort. Um, wormwood once established, pretty damn easy, but isn't doesn't disperse like the weed. Right. It takes whatever. And tarragon is like, mm, I don't like your soil <laughs> and I don't like your heat. And, um, no. Um, so you can see that this is, seems to be a common thing because there's a lot of substitutes for tarragon. It is not, mm. uh, as outside of France and the French tarragon. Uh, that's just a made up accent. That's not actually a, an attempt at anything. Um, and there's a Russian version of it as well, right? Yes, but it's, it's considered inferior. Um, in fact, I'm going to say that this, that the Mexican tarragon is a far better substitute. Mm. So says seven out of the eight things I researched for this, uh, <laughs> little exegesis. And how many were in Spanish? Um, <laughs> only three, but Wikipedia supports me and therefore the great gods of wiki. That's cool. Um, are, are, um, I, I swear I had nothing to do with the writing of that article. But Tajetis Lucida, which is not an actual tarragon, hmm. the reason I think it's important and ties into Martha, and then I'll shut up and let you... And, uh, but that um, Tajetis Lucida, or Texas tarragon, Texas mint, uh, Mexican oregano, is yaoutli. It is one of the most sacred plants of the Mexica, the Central Valley hmm. uh, Indians. Uh, this is the original flower of the dead, Umbria of the dead. So marigolds are a substitute for the flowers that are on Tajetis Lucida, which... If you look at Day of the Dead food, it often has an anise flavor to it. Right. It is mimicking the leaves of Tejeti Zucida, which has an anise-like tarragon flavor. Yeah, yeah. And the little tiny um, flowers on it, this is the original Sempasuchil, which is now the name given to to, to Marigold. Um, it's a bright orangish-yellow flower, and it is intrinsically connected to the dead. It was one of the main incenses that was used because it's a dried leaf that grows abundantly mm. um, and has a very pungent smell without... Um, lingering. Mm. So when it's burning and when it's in things, you can, you can has this, the, the anise flavor is really lovely. Mm. Um, but it is extremely easy to, to grow. Excuse me, hiccups. Um, so yeah, uh, just the idea of what Yaoutli is and then, and Sempasuchil and the, that this was banned, uh, popularly by the Spanish in, in colonialism in, in an effort to stamp out its use because it was, this was one of the main cleansing herbs. So rosemary and rue became the substitutes for, uh, several different pairings, but Yaoutli was almost universal. And I think um, Lopez Austin goes into this a lot. Um, was, uh, that's the two last names, um, not the first and the last name. But uh, incredibly important researcher into uh, Central Valley Mexican cosmology, Nahuatl cosmology, um, and looking at the herbs there. And I think it's Aztec medicine, nutrition, and health goes heavily into Yaoutli. Mm-hmm. So time, just all of that with the necromantic side, the psychopompic side mm-hmm. of, of what uh, Martha is. It's also paired heavily with um, possible other plants that were um, blown in the face of someone before they were sacrificed. So it is that kind of psychopompic, uh, like you're going you're gonna to have fun and you're going to talk to the gods now. Um, and uh, also uh, combined with other herbs that are known at least the formula that results is psychoactive and does increase contact with the dead specifically mm. by result. Um, many people pair it up with Sinequichi, which is not from the same area necessarily, um, but 
uh, and not, I don't think it's historically used together, but modern people are. Sinequiche uh, being used to have auditory hallucinations, um, halluc- quote unquote hallucinations. Um, but it's a sun tea that's made that's like a rotten three to five days out in the, in the, in the high sun at summer, um, makes a makes a, a potent broth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Yaoli is also just a consecrator that brings the blessings of um, the the heart soul, the personality. It right. brings that side out. Right. The spice of it. But um, so you think mainly the uh, I, want, I don't want to say affinity, but the relationship between it, uh, these guys and Rosemary is one of kind of mainly conquest. Uh, between uh, between Mexican things and rosemary, mm. we know that it was an absolute substitute, just mm. like like aloe itself, which is a foreign plant. Was the lore seems to be originally about maguey, well, about agave, mm. which was the, the the plant that gave fiber. Remember, they dressed in in sisal, which is agave plant. Mm. They they made pulque, which is what we make tequila from now. But the the heart nectar of of the agave plant, it is what the tilma that that Juan Diego had, that the Virgin of Guadalupe, is imprinted upon maguey, and so the. You know, it's what we they use for bloodletting. The tips of it is what was put through the tongue eight times a day. Anyway, just the the, the native lore of the plants gets transposed mm. um, and banned specifically. We know that there were things of like you are not allowed to grow this plant, mm. um, and you can grow these things instead because they had to tend missionary gardens, so mission gardens mm. in the, in the different ways. Um, hmm. But yeah, tarragon is is a common culinary herb because of its flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, to take it back to, and this is New World tarragon. So it is, again, a different plant, but I do think it is important because it does receive all of this kind of tarragon lore with it to the point of it being identified as a tarasca herb that this is sown in the tail of the tarasca and therefore it's evil. And that is why you can't use it, you stupid indigenous Mm. uh, people of of justifying what it is. Mm -hmm. And then um, using native varieties of wormwood, which are incredibly bitter and often have more hallucinogenic alkaloids then which is very true of west coast wormwood mm-hmm. and even mugwort um in, in in the united states and down through the sierra madre mountains going into mexico mm. so there's higher uh higher demons the plants themselves have a little slighter potency on the psychoactive side yeah i mean there's an interesting relationship going on there right with how it's an artemisia so of course it's going to be used to ward off uh, insects and you know uh, worms that might eat away at things um, prevent decay uh, it seems to have had a, a big use in sweetening the breath mm-hmm. and also being used to deal with toothache which presumably comes from the idea of, te- uh, of teeth worms mm-hmm. that uh, an awful lot of um, that seems a very prevalent notion that a lot of toothache is the result of these, you know, these little worms in the gums that are, are causing trouble. I mean, yeah, mm. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Worms live in holes, yeah, little holes in the teeth. I, the uh, and they also eat metal, which I find interesting too, right? So worms eat the body. So there's this constant thing of what is a worm mm. by modern definition, and. On that note, to the memory of the the red worm, right, the earthworm, hmm. that is everywhere, and how it is not native to the Western Hemisphere and destroyed forty to sixty percent of native wildlife upon its introduction by the Europeans, probably traceable to Virginia itself, hmm. um, as destroying native forests because they had not. There is not an earthworm that is native. It's a National Geographic article a while back. Hmm. Really w- willing to be corrected, but I'm quoting National Geographic there. <laughs> um, Jamestown killed our forests, um, or maybe it was Roanoke. I don't know. 
better myth there. So worms. Tarragon is, does it have the same effectiveness as, say, wormwood, which is known for it? I mean, because one of the hints in our lovely scientific materialist view of wormwood being effective against fleas and things like that is because of its bitterness and the alkaloids in it that, that make it quite inhospitable to things that need to crawl over it. Hmm. They get their own versions of contact dermatitis, but tarragon is much more sweet. Hmm. Um, Which again is that thing of like not destroying the pest, <laughs> but sweetening it in some way. Interesting. And it has that quality of, of protection from venomous reptiles it's used in, and, and various other venomous things by extension, while also being identified with the thing, mm-hmm. which I find interesting as well, that it's both um, the it's both the, the dragon-made plant and also the defense against the dragon from a plant. Oh, that's lovely. Those types of dichotomies are always wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can, you can have it, you can, you can wield it, or you can be eaten by it. And those seem present in some of the just, you know, um, surfing around them interwebs and looking at, you know, modern spells that are using this kind of stuff. And it's interesting to see um, modern folk magic workings to uh, induce toothache in people you don't like through the the use (laughs) of a a skull candle, especially women um, cursing men. Uh, Rightly so. Hmm. Which feels interesting in terms of uh, when we get to her, all the stuff about uh, Cassandra's brother, mm-hmm. uh, Helenus, Helenus mm-hmm. who is also prophetic, but everyone listens to him. And so it's just like this little microcosm of, of the meeting hell that so many women describe to me of like the professional working environment of saying a thing and being ignored. And Mansplained? Then, yeah. Man well, prophesized? Well, 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 man prophesized. And, and also, I can't remember the t- I'm sure there's a term for it these days, but uh, a man repeating exactly what you just said and everyone being like, that's a great point. Like, yeah, yeah. I wish someone had said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, this, this, again, this notion of, uh, of uh, men's words mm-hmm. and uh, how they're uh, how the weight is different, and the the idea of, of setting the, the the dragon ruled by Martha mm-hmm. against this. Int- I mean, with Cassandra, we might as well interrelate all these things. But the the the, the prominent thing for Cassandra with me, um, in addition to twelve monkeys, um, is the idea that she refused Apollo and was successful at it, and therefore because she was beloved by him, she had the gift of prophecy, but because she refused his sexual advances, he therefore said no one can believe you. Well, it's a horrible version. It looks like a horrible version of exactly uh, you know, the anti-consent uh-huh. uh, lecture thing, that she that she says yes and then changes her mind and that that's why she's punished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Particularly um, kind of uh, yeah, cringy. <laughs> At the very least. Well, and I'm not making excuses for Apollo, and in, in any way, um, it's a decided difference from from his father and uncles when they um, go after someone. Um, Apollo has a lot more like turning people into trees, things, or his own lovers turning into trees to hide from him, mm-hmm. which is. Like, what's the revision of those things? That myths should always adapt. And if, you know, if we need to talk about um, uh, rape culture or, or, or misogyny or many things, mm. the myths should. be. In, in, like, I see a lot of dialogue, dialogue. Don't change the myths to meet you. Change the myths. Mm-hmm. Change them. They're already written down in other forms. Like, what good is something if you cannot suit what you need it to be? Right. And other people will take their value centers and do that. But, like, that is... 
myth is true because it is one truth. It is your truth. And, and what do we learn from that? But it's just, I, I don't like it when people are like, oh, yeah, again, we are interpreting from a modern perspective and we're adding our own things in where maybe Mandela affecting everything backwards. That's, that's part of oral yeah, tradition. That's, that's also, yeah, exactly. That's actually a very traditional way of doing things. You know, we ha- it has to adapt. The saint has to become two people for whatever reason. Mm. And here you have Cassandra who is, by her own accounts, you know, very proud of the fact that she refused Apollo. Um, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily uh, uh, take all gifts away or kill them or or many of the other things that his, his father and uncle do. But uh, the Medusa factor of Poseidon punishing mm-hmm. or Athena punishing or all these different forms of, you know, I got raped in the temple of, of a different goddess and now I'm cursed to look like my sisters, curiously. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a whole other complex mythology. But uh, Cassandra... Uh, She's an interesting dead magician in the sense that she's, um, we're not talking, we're talking pseudo historical. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So daughter of King Priam and Queen Hecuba mm-hmm. of Troy, who obviously has a bunch of stuff to her as well. Mm-hmm. Really interesting bits and pieces. The Hecatean conflation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, the, the main, again, the main thing for her is that no one believes her, that, that, um, she is doomed to speak the truth, but not a single person follow her advice right that that her advice is not followed so she's ignored or when she is paid attention to she's believed mad yes right so there's a, a layer there i love the the, the thing that says oh she's very beautiful but very mad you know like <laughs> gorgeous brown hair and like very lovely eyes but like completely bonkers yeah um which is just like okay wow um again her pro- the most accurate pro- cirrus that you have in the area mm-hmm. and her the commentary is like beautiful but mad mm-hmm. you're like ah oh, okay she's a looker. And, you know, everyone wants to think that they believe Cassandra if it was them. Right. But that's a curse. Mm-hmm. You know, her 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 muggle magic or her her her, her veil right. illusion is that... It's a, it's a reputation magic. What she does doesn't change. She isn't, like, blinded or um, cursed to, you know, with the rose at her mouth uh, to, <laughs> to have her words, like... Um, actually come out wrong mm-hmm. and what she's saying is fine it's almost a curse on everyone else that hears her and so this idea of, of poisoning a reputation almost mm-hmm. but but the reputation becomes more important than the encounters with her mm-hmm. I find that really interesting and I guess it's also uh, I don't know worth worth uh, thinking about how divination itself in in you know uh, a modern secularist materialist overculture mm-hmm. is kind of overculture is seen as, 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 as crazy itself. I think the effects too, of not being listened to of the insanity also having a root in, in, in the first off, she's a serious. So she's naturally not of the same <laughs> timeline, something going on. She's, right. she's in a, she's in a, a, a non-linearly bound, mm-hmm. perhaps non-pragmatically bound, mm-hmm. even if she is speaking prophecy that's pragmatic. But we know from contextualization that prophecy is rarely pragmatic necess- when you first hear it. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, you know, as Troy Burns, she's, she's depicted in art a lot as, like, the, you know, as fully insane because no one listens to her. She knows exactly what's going on and no one listens to her. So the insanity is perhaps the true punishment from Apollo there mm. of, like, you know, you're not going to be able to convince anyone yeah born from isolation yeah but he doesn't it isn't a divine madness that's injected into her he just sets up the conditions by which she is sent mad by yes oh yeah 
some strong carkery kind of stuff there. <laughs> oh. um, I tell you what else is interesting. One that I, I hadn't come across before is there is another version of her curse that is put on her because she falls asleep in a temple. And it is said that snakes licked or whispered into her ears so that she could hear the future. So mm-hmm. again, we get the, the auditory input, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot more clearly, A, you know, an infraction that uh, that doesn't make the god look quite so, you know, um, rape bro-y. Uh, but it's also an interesting one in terms of dream incubation mm-hmm. and the idea of where does... Um, what are the conditions by which prophecy uh, might reach us, which I think is really interesting. And, of course, the idea of, uh, uh, well, snakes, for a start, and their, and their wisdoms, mm-hmm. and their, um, you know, uh, untoward wisdoms, but also the, the, the vapours that which we get from, you know, Delphic oracles and things mm-hmm. like that. So the notion of the, the wending tentacular serpents of, of smokes and vapours and things, that which rises, that which uh, explores and Fumic fangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very fact that the snake itself is tasting the air mm-hmm. in its, in, in, for its, uh, its olfactory uh, business. I think that's, that's really interesting. And also, like, she has the... It's not true that she was never believed. She was believed once, hmm. very strongly, which was when she accused Paris of being the one that... that and accurately so... But that lined up and everyone believed her then mm. because it set a war in motion, mm. which is such an interesting thing of like, you never believe the, the woman in the corner who's battling madness until you can interpret it yourself as something that you, is convenient for you. Right. Um, huh. Yeah, that's, that's difficult. Is that a profound parable on the nature of not shopping around for a, a divination that happens to agree with what you already thought? <laughs> yeah, perhaps, um, said the diviner. Um, that's a very, <laughs> very Cowder-Draconis thing. Plenty of the, uh, in, in the first house, you know, plenty of the medieval geomancers, medieval, late medieval, early modern, certainly by that point, uh, argue that if, if Cowder turns up, the dragon's tail turns up in the first house, the querent is probably already decided what they've done. There is a closed gate. They're mm. not into taking on new information. They're looking for someone to confirm the, the, the thing that they want to do, or crucially, don't want to do. Mm. That's interesting. I find the, the dichotomy between Kauda and Kapit so interesting, and then their parallels um, otherwise, but um, that, you know, Kauda is correspondent to, to Ogunda, which is a stubborn, stubborn odu. It's violence. It's war. It is. It the machete must chop, and you can guide it. You know, but there it is said. There's no true ire in Ogunda. There's no true blessing. You have to figure out how to move it forward and make it a blessing. You have to create from the destruction if you're going to make it advantageous for yourself and other people. Mm. Um, and 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 Kaura certainly has it rougher than Kaput in in the in the figural balance here. Um, well, that was a segue right there. So we might as well just like. Capa Draconis, figural-wise. Speak. Figural-wise, the head of the dragon. Yes. You know, the, well, that's translation-wise. The, tr- the, <laughs> the treasures that emerge from, from the dragon, you know, straight from the dragon's mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the open door. It is the, the path before you. It is the grand yes uh, to the cosmos, we might say. Universe. Uh, it is a big old... <laughs> it is a big old uh, thumbs oh, up. Oh, universe. It's- yeah. I love you. <laughs> it's not called the Meaniverse. <laughs> or the, the Weaniverse. Yeah. yeah. But Marge, it's you to us, not you to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so it's a figure of, of yes, and it's very easy to see that as, oh, this is this is wonderful. And certainly it gets a lot of praise. Uh, Shvai and Pesca in their astrological geomancy spend a lot of time saying it's it's about karma, it's about higher spiritual yesitudes and 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 and, and, and good goodness vibes. Uh, it's also the yes in the sixth house that says, yes, you're very ill. Come on in, all the sicknesses. It's also, <laughs> it's also the, the, the yes in the seventh house that is, uh, yeah, let's have all the arguments uh, in, this, in this marriage, mm. in this partnership, in this, in this you know, business relationship, in this rivalry. Mm. Um, there's plenty of things that it says yes to that is, is not terribly useful. Um, but on the whole, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a figure of um, this will happen. And I find it wonderfully unique as a geomantic figure because of the Draconi are further elaborations of the interaction between the moon and the sun. Right. And are a singular ascription, which is also rarer in the meaning north node and south node. Yeah. um, As opposed to the figures of the moon, the figures of Mars right. and, and what that means. So in, and undecidedly the only ones that are not disputable because the, the planet descriptions mu- mutate. Wow. Are mutable with variations, not always, you know, not to the same degree of like, it's not a free for all, but like there is no way that you're going to displace Caput and Cauda Draconis right. um, because they, they they are the astrological mentions right there mm-hmm. where the moon crosses the ecliptic. They um, kind of, yeah, they kind of have to be. And which is interesting too, timing wise, for all this because the the long the longest lunar eclipse in a very long time is happening. It's not visible from the United States, mm-hmm. um, but it is happening this Friday. So it is Cauda uh, Bibazon, uh, Anna Bibazon, but the idea. Uh, and all the lore that's coming up, the Facebook lore, the um, FML lore, um, <laughs> of uh, what an eclipse means, and you know, astrologically, eclipses aren't aren't good. No, um, it's 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 bad conjunction and bad opposition, um, and uh, the dragon is trying to eat the light, which is bad. Mm-hmm. And a lunar eclipse that lasts this long, this is a definite long one, and we, it's been a season of eclipses for a few years now, mm-hmm. um, but. Cuppet Draconis is, uh, do you ascribe Sagittarius to it as well? Is, I mean, like, I know that's one of the com- commoner. You can do. I mean, obviously the, the zodiacal ones shift around a lot more. Generally, when I'm reading, I tend to avoid giving it too much of a zodiacal identity to tie it down. I, I just talk about it as, as the, as the benefics, mm-hmm. um, particularly Jupiter and Venus. I think that's probably why Sagittarius comes up. It's just because it's a, Sagittarius is a, oh, sure. a warm sign that's not like, Leo and Aries still. Mm-hmm. And it's the, <laughs> it's the light that passes. Right? Yes. Um, and uh, the visual metaphor has always been very helpful in understanding cardinal fixed and mutable with um, Aries being the, the firebrand, the spark, mm-hmm. Leo being the bonfire, and Sagittarius being the coals. It's just a very easy understanding to visualize what the qualities, those three qualities are. Yeah. Um, and Caput Draconis as a figure seems to have far more beneficent benefic 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 yes uh reputation than its corresponding odu mm-hmm. um because osa is uh is is sudden cataclysmic change mm. um and i find that interesting that if we look at the the anatomy of the figure right 
at least the way my brain still interprets it, of there's an absence of fire and everything else is manifesting. So in some ways, screw the elemental descriptions to those dots, but there's an absence of the highest command down. It is all, it is like, we have no place to go, but like manifesting into matter. Huh. Um, that there's like this arrow. It looks, it's one of those ones that looks like an arrow in oh, yeah, some yeah. way. Um, whether it's uh, Justicia or any of these ones, that it's just like, okay, there's something it's down. Right. It's going into the earth. That's typically the way that, in European geomancy, we distinguish between a stable and a mobile figure, or uh, an entering, exiting, or, or mm-hmm. liminal figure. Is how pointy is it towards us? What's what's coming to us? Yeah. What's what's here to stay? And it is the one of the pointiest. So the idea of like what you can drive into the ground. And in the 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 hand geomancy, mm-hmm. <laughs> of it is you know if you're going to do the the double as mm-hmm. an extension of the finger, then this is literally the pointy finger. This yeah. is the index finger extended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. O- extended. Wow. Mm-hmm. Outstended. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Um, <laughs> But Osa has the reputation of, of the Harmaton, the, the, the violent sandstorms that suddenly come, mm. cataclysmic weather, um, uh, sudden fires, things like this. Um, Osa um, has a particularly uh, strong reputation with the witches, and I do not mean those who can convert to being witches. We In, in, in Yoruba lore, the, the Ajay are, are supernatural beings mm. that uh, you one some people do claim to work with and ally with but they are amoral female forces and um, there are different versions of the same story that's told where sometimes it's Arumila's coming down sometimes it's um, the the Meji of Osa um, being very careful not to say this, the words and invoke <laughs> those things but that uh, to my memory there is uh, the, the Mejis are coming down so the 16 primary Odu are coming down and uh, everybody has to figure out who they're going to go with. And there's some sacrifice of, like, goat and cloth and something like this. And Osa says, I ain't, I ain't giving my clothes up. Mm. And so the other uh, Odu are parading around, and they come and they see the, the mother of witches, um, the, who is a, a named figure, um, uh, one of the, the leader of the Iami. Uh, but they see her naked and trembling and asking for a ride down and no one can give it to her because they can't hide her under the cloth. The cloth is the, the container, but the cloth is a, a grand metaphor here for amniotic sac, for all these things of how do we manifest in the world? How do we pierce the veil? Well, we must have a veil to be pierced. Mm. How do we break through from one realm into another? So Osa is the rip of the cloth. You know, there's a violence there that has an intrinsic relationship to Ogunda, which is the thing that penetrates the cloth. Yeah, yeah. So there is the thought that the and and who is a primary expression of Osa energy is Oya, right. whose name literally means the terror, the ripper, um, the thing that, that rends cloth. And cloth also has the, the metaphor of the, the very fabric of reality is, is, is likened to cloth. So we're tying off the head, we're t- which is making a universe of a calabash of our head and other things that are going into that. But Osa, she can't, the, the mother of witches is pleading with Osa, take me down. In some versions, it's Arumila himself. And he says, okay, and he swallows her. And he comes down to the earth. Um, all the original Odu are men. And then there's Oshun. So, um, uh, Oshun Meiji. But uh, he comes down and uh, says, okay, time to come out. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good right here. <laughs> um, and he uh, freaks out because, you know, what, well, what are you going to eat? And she's like, do you not have intestines? I'll be fine for a long time. Uh, and he's, this is uh, the, the type of understanding about witchcraft, this kind of 
quote the political idea of witchcraft is again a political accusation mm-hmm. and is destruction of the body from the inside out the rotting the the emotions uh, the the definition of witchcraft being intimacy that you that it's the people you know that you curse yeah. not this person from afar yeah. um, that it's the things that drive emotion and that have sat with us at our table and these are the people that bring up this violent cataclysmic change mm-hmm. um, because when the change happens to a whole community that community bonds together yeah. it's an interesting difference there right. but that in order to do it he has to consult the oracle and the oracle says look go get a bunch of insides of an animal put it by a tree tie it with cloth and and call to her and he vomits her up and like turns around and never looks back at that mm-hmm. and serving the mother of witches in that way it is a potent force but we don't even it is a force that is is accessible to those it's accessible to mm-hmm. and it is naturally accessible to women in a way that it can never be accessible to men because of the violent cataclysmic change that is the womb mm-hmm. of three to five days of blood flow and then surviving it so the the the, the violent cataclysms of sudden fertility mm-hmm. and what that means of birth and all these things that the breath that comes in so the idea of the supernatural forces that bring change in that way is deified as Oya of the water buffalo who, you know, this is obviously is an Orisha that is very close for me. This is my, this is my second parent. Um, but the, the idea that she doesn't like being a human as much as she likes being a water buffalo because eat shit, fuck, snort, <laughs> like destroy things is her, you know, it's, if you can have a, an animal that is an embodiment of a tornado, like mm. just like, you know, plow things down, um, go for it. Uh, life is simple. And there's that idea too, that even coming into the world that we have the choice and we make it complex because we have all these divergent little goals and, and divided attentions and going on. And that the unity of it all is like, you only get to do those things here. So that is why everyone's fighting to come back and incarnate and live the experiences of all the pain and the sadness and the joy. Cause you only do that here. Mm-hmm. The other world is considered very boring. Mm-hmm. And this is an, uh, in direct contrast to, you know, the other world is where we're going to finally have our pleasure in Christianity. Right. So it's like, live your life now. And it, it, I find the, the side of that with, um, uh, Thurman's lectures in, uh, I think it's liberation on hearing them between. So his translation of the, the, the Tibetan book of the dead, so-called, um, the Bardo, uh, is he's like, at one point, at some point you will realize that you are enlightened, have always been enlightened, and therefore you are experiencing all your pain and sadness now as an enlightened being. You just don't know it yet. So laugh it up, cry it up, crazy it up, because it's all present at mm-hmm. the same time. And I think that is a, a very valuable message from Osai, is how do we contain this in a context that can then help it transition into something else? Mm-hmm. How do you ready yourself for the change that's coming? Mm-hmm. How do you be open to change but not live in fear of it? So you see the signs coming, the, t- the water is retreating, the tidal wave is coming. Yeah. Prepare. Yeah. Be prepared. Be able to handle it. Do not freak out when, it, you know, how do we deal with this as opposed to, my whole world's upside down and I don't know what to do and, you know, the world's ending. Well, it always feels like it's ending when the rug is pulled out from underneath you. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you introduce new rats to other rats. Oh. Um, but I don't know how that, I don't, it's one of those ones that I know is interesting because of the reputation astrologically of the tail and the, and the head of the dragons. But geomantically, it is not quite as much the same harshness with this. No, not usually. I mean, I guess you could, uh, it certainly can come up where the door is like wrenched open and certainly it's not great as a second witness often. The idea of like, you got halfway through the book and then suddenly realized that like, oh great, all this new research has just rendered everything you've written kind of pointless or at least 
um, you know, the old Eon of whatever that was, you mm. know, with, with the with the revisionism that's that switched that over, and <laughs> suddenly something's way older or, or way different uh, than than you thought it was. So there's definitely the sense of it not being welcome mm-hmm. uh, at certain points that it's not useful to constantly be opening more and more doors. Um, because other things will come through, or simply because there's a point where you need to tie a ribbon around something and stick a fork in it, and it be done. And it's interesting the pairing then, because it's opposite. In, in the, I guess if you if you it's it's averse. If you reverse the dots, not one for two and two for one, but rather flip it over, it becomes the other dragon, mm-hmm. which is Ogunda. So you have the marriage between Oya and Ogun. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because Ogun is the more earthy of the two. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not the lightning in the sky and the blustering wind that is Oya. But notice that the earth is now missing in the sign. Mm-hmm. And like the deities are almost like making up for that interesting side of it, too. Mm. It's an interesting pairing. And then if you go to its actual physical makeup opposite and you do one for one, and, or one for two and two for one, it becomes uh, Leticia, which is one of Shango's main Odus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well... Hold on, I'm going to get slapped for that. <laughs> Leticia's not an Odu. Leticia's correspondent is Obara, and it's because I'm visualizing things, and yeah. the translation of this is going to... Um, right there. Uh, guard yourself, pretty ones. Um, because, what is it uh, that was being quoted online? Uh, Boz was just saying the... The it was a Terry Pratchett quote like the same crowd that that wants you to succeed will be the same crowd that cr- that crowns you will be the same crowd that calls for your beheading <laughs> of like oh, okay so well that's Osa that like flipping it over right is there but like okay so you have the fulfillment of Caput Draconis with Letizia of now there's only fire and the rest and we talked about the fleeting nature of joy yeah and there's a relationship between those two the 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 sudden violent change. The change is violent. The change might be for the better. Right. It can flip towards the good. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that it is quick and sudden that is very difficult. It is hard to see it coming sometimes. Something of disruptive technology as well, of the new thing that renders something else um, now kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that's a powerful dimension of Caput as well. And therefore the idea that... With, with Laetitia, I, I love that notion of not just active and passive dots, but of uh, expanded and, and contracting, mm-hmm. or focused and searching uh, is, is the other one I, I, I like. And, and in that case, you have the idea that Laetitia is open to having an intellectual discussion, is open to sharing food, is open to sharing feelings and intimacy, but it is focused on this like fire of, 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 of joy. Uh, and that there's something there that like that carries it through, uh, it, you know, that that stops it just being like buffeted by the tides of of, of just being um, populous, right? Mm-hmm. And when that's also interesting in terms of the, the the elemental stuff because you have Cauda Draconis is typically a fiery sign, the fiery sign that destroys. It's the, it's not the warming fire of acquisitio or the the you know the gain fire or the or the need fire. It's the the ashes at the end of things. And uh, caput is actually given to earth, which again you if you you think about that not just in terms of like Kaka being an earth sign, but conjunctio uh, can be thought of as an earth sign as well. That's also a little bit um, not you know not necessarily super standard, but these things often have a little bit more wiggle room than we think but the idea of what <laughs> starts you just start promoting it and don't tell anyone that <laughs> uh, name your sources me <laughs> uh, a little bit a little bit uh, not exclusively I mean we can get into why I think 
Gemini is a better conjunctio sign than for, is better for conjunctio than, than Albus if we need to, but I don't think we do. The idea that the big yes is an earthy thing, and that the that the the affirmation or the the new start or the new beginning or the new opportunity or the thing that um, renders something else uh, a new context mm-hmm. is 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 grounded and is of the earth, mm. and, and and therefore has to be responded to in those kinds of ways, mm. and, and behooves a, a responsibility around it. Mm. I think is is. Uh, an interesting way that those are those are paired in a way we might not expect when we're also thinking about, you know, uh, Fortuna Major being a fiery sign. And mm-hmm. that, that primacy that's given to heat and light and that kind of stuff. Really? Stop chewing on the wood, rat. It's almost all right there. Thanks. Not at all. <laughs> Mice are gradual loss. Let's do some Lenormand type of thing. Um, the way, he's a, he's the a way, rat, but... The way you're talking about sudden change feels much more in, you know, this kind of European geomancy to be a thing of via. Um, if it's positive, uh, or at least if it has the option to bring in that which is prosperous. Mm-hmm. And, and and if it requires action, more to the point. Uh, to say it's positive is, is probably to, 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 to overly cartoonish, but that idea of where it fits with um, the the least number of, of dots, mm-hmm. right? The figure of, of, of the path or the road, or also the uh, the the moon that lights the way through the dark night, but also the moon that is briefly eclipsed by uh, clouds and leaves us wandering around in the dark, not knowing what the hell we're doing. That's why it has to be internal mood. Mm-hmm. Things we talked about. I think we talked was VR our first one. Mm. Oh, it could well have been. Yeah, yeah. Just because still always. The association with the moon, therefore Gabriel, therefore Jibril, therefore the the, the sword of Ikra, the, the, the Aleph of, mm. of of the of Arabic, the the idea that it is literally looks like a, a sword is the the cutting start and finish of the first word Muhammad hears of, of the Quran is uh, Ikra recite, mm. which is recite from uh, or read. It's often translated out, but it's read from something you know, not. Mm. And he was illiterate, so it just uh, that side of via is always interesting. Um, that it is uh, there is no possible process of elimination because it is one way. Mm. There is the only thing you can follow is what the the inconstant moon is showing you. Mm. Um, so best be in good fortune with the moon. Now via and populace are interesting to consider in since. If we're talking about lunar signs, we're still talking about the nodes, which is an interaction of solar and lunar because right. it's the ecliptic. But we're, it's you referred to as the north and south nodes of the moon, not the north and south nodes of the moon and sun paths of right. plenty and the um, relation of the Earth there as well. So there is almost the sense of the the eighth planet um, being where we are, which I like about the the nodes. Mm-hmm. I think um, to the idea of sudden change and and what that is because uh if if even though this is varying on the the orisha that is primarily often thought to express itself in osa which is oya and heavily yamaya is there too but um uh, which confuses many people but um uh, don't believe that bullshit about them being enemies um but that elegwas prominent son who we know is Eshu. So the idea of accident being the child of sudden change, mm-hmm. of violent change, of and Elegua being or Eshu being the argument that you can survive. The little things, the little 
problems and um that Eshu tests us and 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 becomes the stone in our pathway so that we learn to deal with the instability of daily life through which increases our character and our, red- our our readiness to be able to handle things which then prepares us for when mama comes to town mm-hmm. when the big change happens and something else happens there and that is um that's an interesting idea that like it's it's we're talking about antidote here or uh through through uh, vaccination against accident and trauma oh. and silent and violent change. I'm thinking out loud here. This is not like, don't, don't, don't quote me on this shit. Um, <laughs> no, that's really interesting. The building of resilience through the tiny annoyances and the little nibblings mm-hmm. of the, when the we say that Eshu builds character, what is it build? What is, what is, how does that build character through exposure to those things and knowing you can, you can, this too shall pass type of attitude of, I got this. This mm-hmm. is, this don't sweat the small stuff in Basque. They would say fire and water below the knees. If the flood or the fire is still below the knees, you grow it. You're going to survive it. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. It's just something interesting there about that. Hmm. The, the the child of, of Oya being that. And then, you know, prominently the other side of it being the dead. And what are the Egungun, which is not the dead, but the, the mounting Orisha of the dead. Hmm. Um, the, the Egungun society, which is conflated with Egun and it's very hard to parse apart. But we know the presence of the spirit which is the respiration here, this connection between the breath and animate life Mm. and those things that the exhalations of somebody when they die, where does that go? If that was their animating force, what happened to it? And can that animate somebody else while they're still living, therefore possess them Mm. with the dead? And what, you know, when the air flows in the cloth, you know, is it, you know, what is it? If the dead come down from heaven in the form of rain or ride the rain down and storm is still prior to that. It's such an interesting um, mixture and relationship of mapping the sacred into the world around you and mapping the world of around you onto the sacred. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a reflexive relationship that it should not be seen opposed that there, that this idea of mundane and spiritual is a convenient Western Sunday religion thing. Hmm. Um, and which I think in some ways ties us into our discussion of household magic, mm-hmm. the overlap between the quote unquote mundane mm-hmm. And spiritual, the the housework of Martha. Oh, massively, yeah. And into the divine occupation of a house that is clean, is able to receive company, a house that is well-stocked and knows its inventory of food, is able to entertain guests right. and, and help people out through charity, a house that is uh, warm and knows its fire and stacks the wood means that it can keep the inhabitants warm. And therefore, we shift from housewife um, servant into priestess of the house, mm. which as far as Western Europe goes is a huge thing. And I don't think we can talk household magic, um, without at least invoking Likoto's, uh, household, is it household spirits mm-hmm. and the importance of, um, the house as a temple mm. and the idea that every angle in your house has a spirit associated with it. And there's the, 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 the windows and, the doors and the bed frame and these things are spirits. They are minor spirits, but there are hobs and gobs associated with them as well as larger spirits of, of spinning and the domestic activities that allow for one to do other things. Right. Um, and versions of, of far older spirits, as, as my wife is fond of saying about yeah, the, yeah. about the hearth and the, and, and the tap, the, the faucet, you know, yes. these, are, these are old grandfather fire and, uh, grandmother water type of right. servants of the, the importance of the cook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in, 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 in ATRs, you see this heavily, right. the sacredness of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is, I think one of the things that as 
modern pagan revivals and reconstructions and all these things start to experience a more uh, constant expression of that sacredness that we will continue to see an inher- uh, a quick uh, deification of things, um, bringing in those household gods. Mm. Again, household cult, very different from state cult. Those things that organize a society and justify the actions of its political leaders right. is state religion. And that is what we see oftentimes in the Homeric relation of things like the gods that, that allow Paris to steal the the Helen and therefore have Cassandra prophesying and these right. things, these things that punish in those ways. But what is it? What is your relationship with the spiders in your house? What is the relationship with the, the leaky pipe? And you know its ways. You know its peculiar ways because you have to turn the faucet on at three quarters of an angle yeah. and then like wait for a minute and then if you turn it on then fully after that, that way. Exactly. Yeah. Those yeah, are yeah. familiarity with household spirits. There's there's now a, an embodiment that is different with those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that this is not necessarily about trying to force with a, a you know a, a neo-pagan continuation and a, a folk turn which we're obvi- uh, arguably seeing in occultism and, and, and magic and, and lived magic is not trying to force things into uh, the shapes of, uh, of, of it's not a I don't think it's contrarian tendency I think it's mm-hmm. the idea of genuinely trying to look at um, the differences and similarities of revealed and natural religions, if you want to put it like that, mm-hmm. or simply that there are ways of being in your house that can be as sacred as uh, going and you know, you know, doing whatever, being smelled and belled mm-hmm. uh, at, at, at a church or something. And you know, I like looking at um, Pyrenean folklore here heavily, the Basque, the Catalonian, the Aragon, uh, Aragonese, uh, because of the documented relationship of uh, matrifical culture and the sacredness of the house and uh, specifically the idea that uh, you give your paycheck as a man over to the oldest woman of the house who is managing the accounts. And part of this comes from it's the experienced womb. It's the womb, especially the older women, are not having a womb that's filled up with blood mm-hmm. and, and uh, the concern of, of children. There can be young women that are in charge of houses, but I think the, the observation that when the womb is no longer bleeding, then it is the perfect womb to contain the womb of the house mm. and its potential as to what that is and that men are the expendable ones mm. by nature, um, which is a complete reversal from the, the, the normal spin on these things. <sighs> the sacredness of women permits them to be temple priestesses and therefore house priestesses in a different way. Um, but I find the fascinating, the, the record of that so interesting that in a lot of Hispanic culture, which has a lot of those traditions continuing the idea that you hand your paycheck over to the to your grandmother, right? Um, and and that's the you know starting with the economics of it is really useful to do, and I think highlights very often that there's a more complicated thing going on than simply a an apt or a, or, or a neat division of public and private mm-hmm. uh, spheres. That uh, you know certainly talking about. Um, you know whether women, you know, uh, medieval women could own property or not is, mm-hmm. is a more complicated issue than we might think of uh, initially. And um, the, the there are revisionist feminist readings of things that highlight the highly contextual nature of uh, who does what when mm-hmm. and how, uh, but also that it's it's an easy trap to fall into to suggest that um, there are no uh, precedents for. 
um, women owning property or, or being the you know the keeper of the keys, as my sister loves to talk about mm-hmm. in terms Played of doors, yeah, yeah in ter- well in terms of uh, landladies, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of pubs. But this is a Western Korea. European thing. If you look at Spanish church traditions, it is not the priest who has the keys to their own church. Mm-hmm. It is an old woman older woman who has now adopted the church as an extension of her own home who lives next to it or on the property and the priest has to go see her to be let into his own church this is this is still practiced in the mountains Mm -hmm. there i have i have i have i would love to talk to your wife about uh more of the italian parallels to that because what you're talking about is mountains as a a way that many similar folk traditions of old europe are, are, are preserved and it's just because they're harder to get through. So old ways die hard in a valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you're in that little valley, that's how it is. But, you know, the the, the, the feminine nature of what that is, the quote-unquote feminine nature of the, the extension there. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting when we're talking about extension of uh, household magic to talk about doing work in other people's households. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly where my mind went in terms of the, the root work of, of African-American conjure and your know, essence of bend over and the idea of, of turning the, um, well, indentured servitude uh, and slavery of cleaning someone else's parkour floors to be a means by which you laid the trick to be listened to mm-hmm. and to get what, you know, to, to um, seek a, to bargain from a position of, of some kind of occult dominance. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the... Um the parallels there in, in, in Cuba of different groups, ethnic groups, which were noted for different attitudes towards sorcery and magic and religion um, and their own backgrounds and in, in their own cultures were, you know, you did not want to put the Congolese in the house. The Congolese were kept in the fields because they were savage and practiced horrible sorceries. And this is, um, I think Ortiz talks about these things, um, but that the Yoruba were excellent house slaves because they come from a metropolitan culture. Mm. They understood how to be docile, woke up in the morning early or by nature because the, the Orisha worshippers woke up before dawn to gather herbs and, and draw the water and things like this. So there was already like, they're going to be up before everyone else. Um, the idea here, uh, interestingly enough, of, of the Congolese religion is considered more aggressive in many ways than the, the Yoruba religions there. Um, and similarly in its expressions in Brazil and how that goes, which is, um, I can't speak for the other diasporic, uh, ethnic groups, but um, I find that fascinating as well. Um, household chores here, yeah, I think uh, the Marie Laveau side of it, right, of the the hairdresser who is the witch, right. and what better access to personal concerns than someone who takes out your your chamber pot, um, takes out your bloody sheets, mm-hmm. uh, reveal you know washes your clothes, yeah. finds your your hairs and your bits, mm-hmm. and or cuts your hair. Right. I was going over uh, the example of the the flowers uh, family of witches who get tried in around 1618 uh, for the talk I did recently on uh, the magic of cats because there's a there's a wonderful cursing that is done through uh, taking the gloves of the the earl uh, and possibly his wife and rubbing them on Rutterkin the cat this demonic familiar spirit uh, who is also an actual cat as far as we can tell and uh, and this is part of the, the melancholy as all familiars should be god damn it right 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 uh, the, Not all cats, I'm just saying actual things. Yeah. And crucially, the, 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 the other curse that they do, they do want to, to kill 
various um, children and they do another to ensure that they'll not conceive again and that one is done using the feathers that are taken from the mattress that, mm. that, that they are <laughs> so they are let go uh, or they are fired I should say um, through some rumours that they may have been stealing some things and so they you know they complete their day and are taking personal concerns to take away and this this highlights again that that sense of witchcraft being you know uh, a very intimate thing being a thing with the people that you you know have access to their hair and that which they sleep upon and you know intimate objects uh, of themselves and of their and of their house hmm. and there you have the relationship of, of Martha again right of, of the patroness of household uh, domestics right as, as well as the, 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 the domestic chores and duties one might have but as patroness of women's control over Right, and the, the so yeah, yeah, exactly. The socioeconomic uh, factors uh, are considerable. Yeah, of, of course, you, you, you're dealing with the uh, set of anxieties around uh, masters and servants, mm-hmm. and around um, you know uh, older and younger, and around male and female, and around advantaged and disadvantaged, crucially. And the political spin of you know, if you make Jesus your master, it's a very different thing. Or if you equate yourself as a master with Jesus, mm-hmm. certain you know servants serve your master as well type of mm-hmm. that second Corinthians but it, 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 household magic itself I think is such a broad topic just the the idea of household charms how to guard your house against lightning and fire mm-hmm. and and death in the house of course these are small subsets of everything because we need to acknowledge the context in which these magics are done they are not done in a temple room this is the magic of daily life mm-hmm. this is the 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 floor washes this is the right. The, pi- the, the pissing on your, your your steps to draw in customers as a prostitute. This is our business in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hanging of things... Um, over the door. Over the door, next to the door. The, By the windows. The, you know, the, 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 the Indian head pennies, mm-hmm. the, the mercury dimes, the things that are put in strategic places, the red thread crosses from the windows mm-hmm. to guard against storm witches, um, the... The opening of a window when someone dies, the um, the covering of mirrors in the house so it doesn't trap them, mm-hmm. not just in some mythical other world, but in your personal other world right. of the mirror mm-hmm. and what that is. The, the tending of certain areas of the house which have perhaps shrinic import of like if you have an area where you're, you're commune with the dead more but like what is a dining room when it would like don't leave that chair out the chairs must be tucked in mm. you do not leave an open chair at a dining table and every culture seems to have their versions of what these rules are but some of them just make will evolve naturally with each household mm. of like we don't do that in this house mm-hmm. um, you have your ways but you must learn the ways of the house you are in shoes off <laughs> shoes off shoes on yeah, shoes off is like it's only because, you know, why do you want your feet bound in little things when you're indoors? We should relax. <laughs> and, um, just uh, culturally, it's such an interesting thing. Uh, I think you were telling me once about traditions of pouring things down drains so uh-huh. that they can, cir- not to get rid of them, but so they can circulate in the veins of the house. Yes. That you are, you are dosing your house, mm-hmm. or you are giving it medicine, or you are uh, feeding it in some way. Yeah. I, I love that notion. Drains, uh, things that go underneath the the, the crown molding, the, the base molding. Um, that the look at Grania, the deity of the hinge. Mm. You know, it, uh, this is Etruscan. Mm. So there's one of the deities associated with the with um, 
Kusu and Kusans, which are the, the male and female uh, psychopomps, the Hecate equivalents, but mm-hmm. male and female. So the shears that cut the initiation cord and take the measure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's um, uh, fate reference there and, right. and the Morai. The morai. Um, so each of these things in, in a house of like the top hinge has a different purpose than a bottom hinge and what that means and how that extends that, that someone who is living this worldview, not just doing magic, this is where it starts to become magical as opposed to magic. Mm. Um, uh, the breathing it. Um, and so it's when someone says, you know, what's a good spell? And you're like, I don't know. I'm just doing things, you know, I have to still empty the, the chamber pot and mm-hmm. get the linens. And like, this is where we see a lot of practicality in the folk magic things, which was, I think there was a certain catering to a written record of magic in the nineties in the English speaking world. That was spell books of like, how do I get this person to fall in love with me? And those have always been in the historical record, mm-hmm. but blessing your shotgun, making sure that your cows aren't poisoned, making sure that the cheese doesn't rot prematurely, mm-hmm. um, a blessing of the rennet, a blessing of the, to get rid of fleas. And is it a magical spell when you are sowing wormwood into your, into your floors? Um, well it is if it's done with intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the, the lack of separation between the mundane and the magical. Right. This is a very post industrial revolution, materialistic idea. And it's very hard to when one is on the other side of it, it's very hard to go back to the other side. I think you can switch one way or the other, but I think um, it's not something that you can paradigm hop as easily. Mm. Uh, I think the the meta paradigm does not exist where it necessarily contains both. Right. I think we're just very quiet. I'm more quiet about the things that oppose one of those things mm-hmm. um, because it, it's very difficult. The container, I don't think, is able to hold both. Right. Personally, I think it complicates it too much. Um, Especially when, if we're going to compare it to, you know, the, the folk turn to high ceremonial stuff, there's the sense of you do a thing in a space and then shut the space down mm-hmm. very often. The, the you know, the, 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 the hall is opened and closed. Mm-hmm. The, um, as you've said before, you know, the lodge is the people in it. Yeah. Um, and there's also a sense that this is stuff that you do and then meditate on it and contemplate it. And it's, a, and it's a, an internal and internalizing kind of thing rather than something that you do something about. Now, I'm sure a million Lodge magicians are going to disagree with that and say, oh, it's plenty practical stuff uh, in terms of the organization and the, the, the birthing of a thing from it not being done to it having been done. But I think, ultimately, that's very different from, you know, sowing the, sowing, you know, strewing rosemary and, and wormwood on, around the, the, the mm-hmm. floorboards. The household magic ideas too of the economy of everything and I think you know um, money is such a a hard topic in the western magical paradigms of like you should not have to pay for certain things Mm. Um, and this is something I'm sure we both come up constantly as people who divine and offer services Um, well why does it cost money to do that and you're like well it's time so like let's at least that seems to be the the good first out that people understand of like it is your time Mm. and you have training in something and you're doing it but there's the side of it that like you know, how do you get a good temple in which to promote your ceremonial magic? People have got to pay for it. It doesn't just fall out of the sky. Right. Um, you know, if you're sticking to second life or the Akashic uh, journeying, perhaps this is a, it's a easier thing, but uh, somebody still first has to build it. And that side of those things is, is very difficult. Of course, this can be used for, for hoarding money or, 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 you know, the cash signs of, of, of magics. But, um, right. And that's arguably where the economics of what I've experienced of lodge-based 
ceremonial practices is is in learning how to chair meetings about budgeting uh, and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, oh, and and wrestling with budgeting and what that is. I mean, this is a household magic of all, like how to make ends absolutely. meet and how to, you know, even the the division of time. Um, but it's also predicated on the idea that you already, you know, you might have the space already. Uh, and I think there's, there's a bleed through of, of, of uh, a thing that I don't want to sound like I'm allying with that sense of, oh, grimoires were only ever worked by, you know, rich, dead white dudes. And, you know, they had no practical implication in anyone's well, certainly work by literate people, life. though. Hmm? They certainly worked by literate people. Oh, absolutely. Which is its own. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. And, and, and semi-literate people. Uh, absolutely. But the, the the idea that this is what you do when you have, that there is still an assumption that someone else will be doing the washing up. You find it in, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the, in the, the British uh, university system, uh, I think uh, Oxbridge students are still forbidden from taking employment uh, while they're studying there, mm-hmm. because it seems not taking your university time seriously mm-hmm. enough. Uh, you, are, you are forbidden from earning the money to be able to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You're also given such a workload that isn't that still doesn't account for the amount of time spent cooking for yourself and feeding yourself because there's still an assumption that uh, someone someone's going to do that for you. You know, if you're in a position to do this, then you should be doing it properly, i.e. from a position of, of wealth and privilege and, and, and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there is a, a bleed through into um, magics that, that consider, you know, um, who's going to clean the, the floor before you, you know, uh, appoint it with your delicate... Adonai's and other god names, right? The, mm-hmm. the, that's not considered enough. Certainly, it, the the notion that has been explained to me by some scholars that why was it thirty three was the start of uh, the study of Kabbalah of, of of you had to be married, you had to have children because that by that point you had already been working since you were a young teenager mm. and you had children that could carry on the business for you because you were going to stop what you were doing at 7 p.m., have someone feed you and then study for hours each night. And if you had not set your business up, if you were not fluent in Hebrew enough, mm. you could not gain the insight. Right. So you, you, it was something to study later in life, mm. um, which is as a practical tradition of it. You had to have someone to come and, and help you with food. And that notion of priesthoods that were taken care of, the donations to a priesthood that was doing that thing, because you are giving up what you could do something else. And what does it mean to, to be of service, which I think we are heavily colored by Judeo-Christian concepts of, of charitable service and sacrifice in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it, it works the opposite. You know, the Hippocratic Oath originally said no money for that, too. So, you know. Um, Universe. Yeah. Uh, The universe will reward you. uh, But it's it's reversed, right? It's the sense that first you need to work out uh, how we're going to pay for this. And then, you know, there's the... I like that sense of, like, all right, you you are given the time to study and now make yourself useful. Mm -hmm. uh, As opposed to starting from the point of, I'm going to, you know, learn all this stuff and then people should pay me for it. Mm -hmm. You know? It's still hard, difficult, right? Of the, you have to have the opportunity, you have to have the literacy, you have to have these other things that provide, which is you know setting up the future generation that yeah. is within your power to be able to study. The idea that was um, expressed in uh, Llewellyn's Druids, like the, the author Llewellyn, not the publishing company, <laughs> of um, the Druids constantly going to villages and traveling and seeing that child is smart and has a good memory, we're taking him, mm. like singling him out because you needed to hunt for new people to perpetuate things forward. Right. 
So, which is also what's going on with apprentice fairs. I should point out. Like, yes, in, in, you know, I, don't, I don't want an image of uh, druids going around stealing children. <laughs> I mean, in some <laughs> parallel societies, like you don't get a choice when the priesthood sure. comes. Sometimes, sure, in order to support it, and certainly even the notion you don't get a choice in Napoleonic succession of Western Europe, mm-hmm. which was not always Napoleonic succession, but the idea that all the property goes to the oldest son. Oh, right, right, and right. some areas it could be son or daughter, like Spain, Eastern Pre- Spain, primogeniture. So, so that idea that you're going to inherit as the oldest child, period, and you must, you cannot marry another oldest child because you can't take two care two farms. Mm-hmm. So, if you were the first child, you inherit. If you're the second child, you're going to marry. The third child might be able to marry, but we're not sure. And the fourth child is going to be a priest, mm. possibly or a nun because you can't figure out what to do but the fifth and sixth children notoriously in Europe go to the priesthood they get sent to a convent Hildegard went was sent by her parents because she was what one of eight or ten children like there's no more way to feed you right so we give you to the church mm. so there's no choice anyway from a birth order perspective of mm. at a certain point in western Europe it became if you were the fourth or fifth child you went to America mm. Until the mercantile class came over, and then it'd be like anybody could go. Right. But a lot of people, it was it was this idea of uh, I don't have opportunity here mm. because our population has expanded. There's only so much line. We divided acres into little things. Right. Which is the dissolution of the Carolingian Fisk anyway? Is 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 in, in Fran- what becomes France is the exactly that in the ninth century of of trying to divide up farmland into smaller and smaller regions, which is why uh, even today the. Uh, uh, the equivalent of like local councils and things like that is so bizarre and full of you know things like rotten boroughs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a problem. Uh, it's or it's a attention that must be must be faced. Okay, so household magic. We have the day of the the acknowledgement that the every day is its own sacred act. The 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 the, the Zen and the art of peeling potatoes. Sure, um, which is one spin on it. The other side of it is to acknowledge the inherent problem solving and practicality that is magical but not in a sense of hyperbolizing it that mm. that that things that were given routines and knowing how to do certain things in a specific house was magic it was not it was not like magic it was magic that if you know how to start the fire in that fireplace you know how to unstick the flue not wasting time is is a big thing. So you were trained into a household cult. The the traditionally historically it would be a woman was apprentice apprentice the older woman in the house that mm-hmm. knew the things, and that you would want that to happen before that old woman became so uh, invalid that she could not right. teach you. Um, and the literal trade secrets of you know making that particular kind of cheese. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting the house the household idea that uh, it became very quick. Uh, older farmhouses the animals were kept in your house because you had one structure. Right. Eventually they became barned. They were put somewhere else. Now in small mountain villages, you didn't do that because you relied on those animals warmth to like heat up the other right, right. parts. Yeah. Um, methane's your friend. Um, <laughs> the oldest form of methane heating. Uh, but that side of it is interesting too, that, that the house that is the barn, the house of the animals becomes distinctly no longer female controlled, but male controlled and women enter it to milk and do the chores in that house still. So you're still talking about not even hiring out, mm-hmm. but that everybody goes in and participates in that. But like, it's still the idea of, it's interesting that you lose the, the sanctity of one thing. And now the barn becomes the shop, the, the, the meaning the machine shop or things like that. The black, the, 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 the smithery, right. Um, become male dominated as well. It's so a place of industry. This is not a one time topic. Um, is what it comes down to. No, um, for sure. But, uh, 
on that notion, uh, in dealing with Caput Draconis, in dealing with household magic and Martha, um, I find uh, the tower an interesting expression of all that. Yeah. Um, specifically, because when you look into the tower, um, yes, the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. is, is often quoted um, as, a, as a thing there, but so is the harrowing of hell in older decks as well, mm. um, because uh, it's the pulling people out of the domain of limbo that they were put in. So the fortress from the rest of hell, there's a fortress in hell where the, 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 the unevil were kept mm. and that is its own tower. Um, that cannot actually reach heaven. So that's why the house of God is struck by lightning. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the house of God because it's, uh, got the, what, like the good pagans. Yeah. Right. Adam and Eve and, and the, and the, and the Jewish patriarchs mm-hmm. are there too. Um, which means babies are there and everything in the second coming and the harrowing of hell is its own wonderful topic. And that's a, that's a, a great, um, feast day for us in the future on Holy Saturday. But um, in addition to that, uh, Hodorowsky in his tarot book has a totally different spin, which is totally Hodorowsky, <laughs> of it's the phallus of the earth ejaculating. Okay. That it, it instantly becomes, well, a tower is always yeah, yeah. this male thing, and there's the St. Barbara references that are used in some St. Oris correspondences and things like that. But that the, the yod flames that are drawn in the Rider Waite are or based on the Marseille of, it is literally um, the, the coming forth of the earth, the coming of the earth, mm-hmm. um, which is a, was like a, he, like, he puts this joy spin on it, like when you're reading his, his, his things behind it, but... It's not an accident. It's, it's not an accident. And certainly the build-up of the tower, mm. the, the you see the the temptation there with the Babel myth, which is also helpful for the um, pre. I won't get killed for this because it is public record. The pre-Hiramic myths of Freemasonry, mm-hmm. which deal with Noachic legend and the rebuilding of society after the flood, as well as being descendants of, of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, which was a main piece of architecture mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the idea that, that Nimrod commands a tower to be built, and it's a ziggurat of sorts, and it gets too high, and it gets struck down, and, and therefore the, the confusion of language is happening after that point. Um, That's punishment for hubris. Yes. Um, which I think retroactively... Uh, echoes the the original sin idea that it's you know we always talk about original sin being carnality but it's it's um, uh, uh, the thing that 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 spins off Catholic concupiscence there is about presumption hmm. that we can do what we want hmm. um, and there will be no consequences or there will always that we will that we'll be okay no hmm. matter what so the the assumption that that we have agency <laughs> hmm. is the original. Uh, original sin hmm. uh the the that and catholic concupiscence is different from protestant concupiscence and, and even modern concupiscence but the 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 idea that the dark the soul of man turns towards the dark by nature hmm. um that we serve ourselves first that we are selfish creatures by nature and this is something to fight against uh to build the body of light to let the christ light in hmm. um it's like a night bright theme song christ light something in there somewhere <laughs> um so the tower f- for you, what do you, what, what stirs your thoughts? Well, you know, a, a lot of the, the major arcana stuff that I'm familiar with, you know, was so long ago that, I, it, it, you know, it was still, I got a you lot were a wee of, young magician. I got a lot out of working through, you know, basic modern hermetic cabalistic kind of stuff. The idea of it being strung between 
Netsack and Hold, the idea of the the tower that if if we are running it as like grand cataclysm of attempting to logic at your feelings or mm-hmm. attempting to feel about your thoughts, you know this this kind of tension that emerges between those two. Uh, the idea of it being the mouth of Pe. Right is, is is really interesting. I think within this this context, uh, the the notion of, uh, and I'm now thinking about it in terms of like the volcanic mouth that spews forth like rage, and mm-hmm. the idea of it being the martial card uh, is, is is interesting to me, and the the notion of, of the 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 shriek of of joy that splits the heavens, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is fascinating. The idea of it being an eruption upwards and out rather than uh, a, a reception of a thing that's built too strong and then crumbles. Um, oh, that's interesting. So if you have the diametric opposition of something thrusting itself out, mm-hmm. um, because if we compare it to Capa Draconis, it yeah. is fire answering it on top, so it cannot reach the heavenly yeah. fire. Mm-hmm. It cannot break through the last onion layer into yeah, the planetary yeah. spheres. It cannot go super lumen, lumen, luna, super lunar mm-hmm. um, and it, it's actually completed it's in that one flash of lightning because mm-hmm. it is also referred to as the lightning mm-hmm. um, or the, the blasted tree yeah. there's, there's many possibilities here and then the blasted tree brings up burning bush things as well but the completion of its elemental correspondence there of the earth it's an impulse of the earth to build up it gets past its water it's up in the air and then lightning completes it but in its completion is now echoed its destruction which is si- sudden violent change which ties it into yeah. the Osa side of it mm-hmm. oh, okay. that's yeah, fun. Yeah. which you can yeah I mean that, that's certainly where we're at with if Cowda is the malefics, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of a, of, a, of, a, of a firm structure, of a big foundational heavy leaden thing that is also like destroyed, that is this cleaved from the earth, that is, you know, erupts in fire, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a very malefic, uh, it's a combination of the two malefics and, mm-hmm. uh, in, in accidents, in, in disaster, in the tearing down, in the cataclysm. And then you have the, the harrowing of hell side of it where Jesus rends the gates asunder. So Jesus is the lightning mm. that comes in and shatters the, the imprisonment of, of the good pagans. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tower is such an interesting card because we have this, certainly um, it, it would be remiss to not, as some many of us were, this was our college defining moment, was the, the Twin Towers collapsing mm-hmm. and being struck and the, the, the phallus of the city this this bifurcated um, tower. This was a huge thing to see those things fall. It was a uh, it's the tower card. Whatever that means, it's the end of something. Um, and then to see one erected in its place is such an interesting. Mm. Um, and how long it took, and what that means, and like an image of it as a, a harbinger of war. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it follows the devil, which is. <clears throat> Never easy. Mm. Um, and what does what does that Capricorni devil build? What borders does it um, more heavily arm and guard and impose afterwards? Yeah, uh, that's interesting. the The violence by which uh, Big JC is shot into the underworld as well mm-hmm. is interesting in terms of. Um, well, he's raised up on... He's the hangman, right? Raised up as a tower-like thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's intense. Mm. I mean, the tower is is probably one of the more easier images to understand as far as innate 
the way that it's drawn of people falling out of a building or the or the lightning struck tree and someone dealing with that and like this is your fruit tree this is your the sustenance is now being punished in some way uh, the stone throwers in the sky are seeing fit to punish you um and sorry so there's this concept i mean the card is sometimes said to bring higher learning that there's a, a, another lesson that's coming from this mm. um in addition to the building up the Icarus myth side of it that is so prominent now because the card has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it was the harrowing or a tree or lightning itself or the, or the Hellmouth, right? Which seems to be partly there in the Thoth tarot version, right? The harrowing right there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And that brings us nicely back to the, the heads and breaths of dragons and the, uh, the herb that is used to 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 sweeten the breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, lightning in Spanish cardamancy is uh, the reversed knight of coins. Um, is literally called the lightning, mm-hmm. um, and deals with fire in a very real way. But the I find it interesting because the, the the knights are interesting figures. Their movement, in some way, in Spanish cardamancy, and and um, like the knight of uh, cups is referred to as in in old uh, treatises as the arrival of the devil. Good for good, bad for bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's the foreign like the the knights are often foreigners or military men or these things that come in, and it's the thing that moves from town to town. The charismatic wanderer, if you're the the knight of clubs, and lightning itself there is coming on the back of the uh, the the same card as foreigner when it's upright um, so it's the person who comes in from afar it brings an organization here um, that card notion I just find it interesting because to have the the person who comes in to help you make ends meet or the person who comes in to, to help organize your project to get new vantage on something, mm-hmm. the same card when it's reversed becomes lightning. Hmm. Um, and that's interesting to me. And the, the Barbara parallel, which we've talked about when we, when we did our Barbara stuff sure. of, of, um, in terms of being lightning struck as well as simply lightning, do you think, I mean, obviously that's, uh, uh, you know, you can use lightning struck wood for a variety of things, but would you, would you say within particular cultures that you're familiar with that there is a consistent theme there other than it being you know empowered by the the crack the fulgurized of side of yeah, it yeah right right the, 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 the I'm sure if you're the one that survives it you're lucky <laughs> if you can go find where the lightning struck as opposed yeah. to deal with the very real fact of fire coming from there yeah. the serpents between traveling between the worlds or or the the great dragons of the sky you know mm-hmm. um, the the stone throwers the the jakuta shango thing of, of of punishing and what that means and the magnetization that happens with those rocks and suddenly they're imbued with different power the very real physical side of lodestone mm-hmm. suddenly being created um, and uh, the the cracking the temporary deafness the kind of forced seclusion that comes from being struck by lightning if you survive it or being near it when it strikes I just saw that um, video on Facebook of uh, lightning striking a river which mm-hmm. makes like a whole part like it explode and then the, the water changes color because a whole bunch of things are coming to the surface the dirt is stirred and obviously the conducting side of it mm-hmm. a lot of things die in the water when that happens mm-hmm. um, but it was making it was making me think with the lightning struck tree the, the parallels of like the Thor trees that were killed 
by the church set on fire or chopped down Mm. and what that means, the divine side of this. And that, you know, here we have the burning bush, which is a tree that does not, it's burning, but does not be, is not consumed. Whereas lightning obviously consumes the idea that, um, bale fire, you know, is extinguishing all fires and having, uh, something that's been started by lightning that is consistent one place that everything's lit from that Mm. thing. Um, which is part of the the thing about the simplicity of I know we've talked about candle magic before, but the simplicity of of, of these you know necromantic rites involving candles being about leaving a candle burning mm-hmm. at night, like how fucking dangerous that is, mm-hmm. like in a in a in a, uh, a barn or a farm environment. You're in, you're you're calling on trouble. Yeah, I thought um, in the research about Christopher. Uh, just because you know, it's, it's his feast day today, so was, in the past few days I've been thinking about him a lot. But looking at the early record of um, novenas uh, in in early modern Iberia, always in front of tapestries because tapestries were a really easy thing for a church to have because if they had to move, they were portable property or could be sold, nice. so they could live in a church for a long time and then be sold as mm. almost relics. Mm-hmm. So they praying, traveled praying to the tapestry with tapers that are left while you pray and. During this time period, the novenas become extremely long. 33 credos each night um, for nine nights is a very different prayer force. Um, And in this case, it's specifically invoking St. Christopher, but also the the sacredness of 33, which is a Christ number, Mm. uh, and Christopher as well. But uh, that idea of leaving a candle, so the churches are often stone, or stone floored, so okay, that's fine, but many times they're wood. The idea of how do you contain it? Mm. And I think about that even with like... um, uh, modern churches, like it took me a long time as an altar server to realize that those were oil candles because you know I just was accepting that you just lit the damn things. Um, but that a, a high mass uh, with more candles is more risk. High mass is six candle mass, mm. and and that you you know you're not just going off two. And the idea that um, I think of all those '90s music videos of of the romantic candles on set, but if you have more than 15 candles on a set, you need a fire marshal. Mm. Um, and and and. What that is in a, in a, as having gone to theater school and trying to light our damn flames on stage and be like, uh uh-uh. uh, like you get like one or two. Is that why it's called 16 Candles? Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, I think that's actually just the Sweet 16 thing, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I want frozen yogurt, um, <laughs> which I can't have either. Mm. Um, yeah, I think playing with all of that too is uh, the, the, so the Icarus myth of it like flying too close to the sun and getting melting mm-hmm. is, is one form of heat but the Cassandra side of it of like flirting with prophecy and then not following through with the sun god mm. um, the one who shoots from afar because Apollo is Hecatos like, mm-hmm. you know, this idea of the, the far shooting arrows of mm-hmm. the plague god of the sun god um, the god of light um, still the although Zeus might be Lightning. There's still the tower is struck by this thing. It gets too close to the fiery firmament, mm-hmm. and it, it falls. And is this a product of hubris? Is this a product of the natural order of things that, like, you can't build indefinitely high? You cannot. Mm. The, the, our physical environment does not support it. And even if we can build certain things, like the the trauma, the, the technology needed to support the pressures of the physical universe, are a very different thing to like build something that goes all the way up into the atmosphere. Mm. Um, you know, you, you can't be connected to the earth anymore. You have to fly up there. Hmm. Which is interesting. You must let go of the earthly impulse to become the Hodorowskian penis. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. So then the movement, the tower is by its nature still. Hmm. Um, the, the, the eruption of joy of this 
earth phallus or the the lightning that comes down, whether it's coming out of or going into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I find it interesting. The stability of the tower is still; it has to have a sturdy foundation mm-hmm. in order to get up there. What I'm thinking about, though, is that the demon we picked for today is the most unstable-looking sigil you will find mm-hmm. in the Grimoire and Barum, and certainly the concept of not being able to predict her actions for the corresponding spirit, Bomajira, mm. is par for the course. The, mm. the, 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 the mystery of woman is never solved. Um, and perhaps that's the male spin on the, on the, on the cult there of like, hmm. you know, I, I know less about Klepoth because first off, Grimorian Verum is, is a much more recent study for me and it's your fault. Um, and Jake's fault. Um, but also that because is her own prevalence for me in my life of that, like to study something else that is similar, but not, it's like, um, it's like trying to learn Spanish and Portuguese at the same time. <laughs> um, but okay. So, We'll make sure if that sigil is, is on the artwork for today as it is, but uh, can you talk? I'm going to invoke your your doctorate in <laughs> the history of early modern British magic and say, speaking as a passionist. <laughs> a passionist, I like that. It's a specific lovely order that has a wonderful little sacred heart symbol, but um, yes, passionist magic. Uh, G- Gabriel. Yes, mm. uh, my name's Saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yes, he was a passionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, devoted to the Matra Dolorosa, mm-hmm. um, specifically the Passions of Mary, so the seven stabs mm-hmm. of... Um, yes. Okay, so, Klepoth. Klepoth's interesting in terms of being regarded, certainly by the point we get to the Italian um, versions of the what will be called the Grimorian Verum. It's also being called a variety of other things, um, confusingly also being called the Clavicula Solomonis. But we definitely have records of its use by uh, Italian middling sorts, uh, cunning folk in the sense of also having another job usually. The tailor who is also, you, know, you go to for your, um, you, you know, your love leashes and things like that because he's good with a tape measure, that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely. So is the undertaker. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and, and the sextant. And uh, yeah, we're into good again, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the getting the measure of someone. Um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> their yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, Klepoth, you get uh, coming through by the point we get to the late uh, 1600s, early 1700s, uh, mid-1700s, described as a spirit that spins, being her primary thing, that she's uh, that she has many turns. She's a habitrot! Sorry, she's Jira's. You know, so right, of course. And spins. Oh, sorry. You know, the double meaning there happened in both in the same time. Spinning, as in the act of spinning wool, or the movement of spinning the body. Yes, great. <laughs> because one good turn deserves another. Ah! Okay, that's... I haven't encountered too much uh, textile spinning stuff uh, because the other prevalent ideas that she uh, brings forth in terms of her offices are around uh, gaming and gambling. Are around music and the idea of, of turning and spinning in music. So it seems more prevalent to be a, 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 a embodied thing, and certainly that's how she seems to turn up for many people. Uh, is is in this spinning? Um, she's. Can I ask? Let me play the devil's advocate, the devil's wife's advocate. How much of these records of how she shows up is there a record of this before the the modern? understanding and, and 
paralleling with Kimbanda. Yeah. So, like, what can you speak of to the older ideas of how she manifests? So the root seems to be from the wonderful Joseph H. Peterson's uh, most recent book on the Clavicula Salomonis de Secretis, which is one of the earliest forms, uh, Latinate, uh, found in Poland and a couple other places. Well, the, 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 the manuscript was found in a Polish library, but seems to certainly have been used in 16th century Italy and seems to find its way around various points. The issue is the Latin choria which can mean uh, a chorus or, or even hecklers or a choir, but it can also refer to dance or circle dance. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's the, the root here. So there's certainly the idea of the sounds that, that turn up, the, the tintinabulary stuff, mm-hmm. but also the idea of hearing sweet music uh, as she appears and that she can be called to do that as well, uh, along with the idea that she's, she's dancing, she's turning, she's spinning. Um, and that she's there and then not there. And added to that later on, she starts to be associated with the sun more uh, by the time we get to what we can call the the, the verum form, uh, the wand that is attributed to her. Uh, again, verum having this, this role of putting uh, spirit seals on tools mm-hmm. is uh, hazel and is uh, made in the day and hour of the sun. And certainly seems to inform this this sense of her of her gold, but also of her um, coming and going and her her, her circling mm-hmm. and her and her spinning, uh, arguably. So she turns up looking a lot more like uh, something. The, the the seal is not. There are, there are several. There's a very there's a very blocky seal um, mm-hmm. that that goes on the the wand. By the time we get to Verum, there's a, a as you said the, the one you're alluding to earlier of this like I'm doing this hand motion that's not going to work for a podcast of this 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 turning this one. <laughs> it's line very drawing. much like what you do when you're trying to make your ink flow in a in a mm-hmm. uh, calligraphy pen. Yeah, in in a, yeah. a plume. That notion of flowing. The the seal that's that's older for for her is um, to my mind it's it has this quality of. Like a, like a dress um, spinning outwards. It's like a bow and arrow with a bat wing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of a, yeah. a normal string. Or a kind of, uh, yeah, like a, like a jellyfish with a spear. What's interesting with that is what I can also say is that it looks like it's a bow and arrow that is trying to echo the exact moment in time when the string is let go. Mm. So it's vibrating, uh, releasing something forward. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't know what that little um, uh, Babylonian... Uh, kind of cross vesica, yeah, cross vesica thing in the center. Yeah, it's isn't like, that interesting? Um, that's mm-hmm. quite interesting. The the vaginas that's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This book looks fascinating. Yes, um, yes, and uh, is, is 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 if you're interested in Verum, if you aren't, you know, um, uh, awesome. But if you are, then then really, I think this uh, most recent uh, translation that uh, Peterson's done that's uh, titled the, the, this book, this version of it, it he's, he's titled The Secrets of Solomon um, to distinguish it from uh, the bunch of other things that get called the clavicular Solomon. Well, the, and the subtitles was, is great for catching the eye too. It's like a witch's handbook for out of the Venetian Inquisition, right? Like, mm-hmm. That subtitle, I mean, I said of interest. It's, oh, yeah, know, yeah. There's, there's certain other ones that claim to be certain famous not not Peterson's books, but there are other books that have been published that claim to be famous people's grimoires or spell books, and it's like, well, they're contemporary. Right. But um, I think even past just the... We're seeing such an, a wonderful increase in uh, part of the study of magic that people will get to at any point that is necessary, just as the part of the study of any 
spirituality or religion is that conflicting information should not dishearten you from continuing to study and dive in. No. It's actually a great place to try and understand what the what the relationship is between the two, whether it is um, something, was there a source that, that got diverted into those two concepts? Was it an error in translation? Was it a, a purposeful... Uh, Meditation that you can get out of it between right. those things, and learning that this cast of characters who are a little bit distinct from the you know the dramatis personae of the Verum is has has certain uh, they pop up in other things. There are there are spirits there that we've discovered through the German Honorius stuff that uh, also pop up in the Goetia of Solomon in the the quote unquote seventy two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they are a little bit distinct, and to find that there is an earlier record of them than these l- very late seventeenth century. Um, uh, things kicking around Italy that they're, they're far earlier and spread far wider uh, is is uh, raises an interesting set of questions because these characters are also turning up in a variety of manuscripts anyway. It's a you know relative given that the gr- grimoire spirits turn up for your particular engagement with them that the, the same characters turn up with occasionally slightly different roles from manuscript to manuscript or in slightly different configurations laterally of a general hierarchy that you know that deputy might be under this chief uh, in these in these variants that are after all the the record of an individual magician and their work and you know that's the that's the point beyond which the initial stuff is the is the opening salvo is the first salute is the is the formal dinner to get to know them uh so the idea that we could be getting at earlier sources of these same spirits is less like oh this renders everything that came after this uh redundant and we're gonna which is a problem for many right of of that impulse is genuinely there, I think, naturally. We've talked about this before. The earlier, the better means it's more accurate because, right. and this plays into the fall of man mythos that yeah, it was yeah. more pure in the ancient time, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and in addition to that, the, um, the grand neo-pagan influence to completely dump anything learned in the last 1800 years through a Christian lens mm-hmm. of like, go back to the source of the, the Greek magical papyri, mm-hmm. which are at a time period of such conglomeration and, and syncretism, mm-hmm. both purposeful and non-purposeful mm-hmm. in the great melting pot that it is, it's, it's ironic that it's like, well, I'm going to drop this thing cause it's confusing and go back to paganismo mm-hmm. um, well when you know the translations of the term used to address Michael Gabriel and Raphael is God mm-hmm. is gods mm-hmm. crucially plural uh, rather than angel or angelos which is you know not necessarily a problematic term either <laughs> don't worry about the messenger go to right 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 okay. it, it kind of it, it makes a sense so the, the the issue is less I found that uh, suddenly, we you know we we can throw away our corrupted version and go back to the source text. It's more like finding out that these spirits have some older names and some older you know, gang affiliations and and respond to different signs in slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's partly down to the difference between you know uh, a word that ended up. That, that was trans- that the later versions have translated for one spirit as stratagems that came from the the same root that we get in this earlier instantiation, which is devices, and so that sense of like uh, a spirit that rules the the making of mechanical things and what does a device mean at that point and where and, and how is it played out in terms of um, device of evil right no, right 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 <laughs> why not <laughs> um, okay so what makes Klepoth unique in comparison. What what are the distinct characteristics of this 
I, I, you usually refer to as a she, and most people do now. I have no idea if it was ever he, she, back and forth. I know different languages and non-gender languages change these things, and certainly the church belief that every supernatural creature is ultimately male, right. except if it was created by God, as in uh, Lilith and the the this right. um, in, in matter form, which flies in the face of you know Bab- uh, of, of uh, Byzantine uh, mm-hmm. demonology, which definitely has space for a variety of, of female uh, demons. Uh, so by the time we get to Verum, uh, uh, Klepoth is uh, a she, as far as I've uh, it's certainly the the Alabet translations and things like that. Which um, you know uh, there aren't too many others uh, that are even you know Verum is also very light on the. There's not so much of a description of you know he appeareth in the form of uh, so much as there's offices and that's usually about it. With a couple, of- you know what? Someone just needed to do the illustrated version because everyone remembers, remembers the illustrated the, the Clancy stuff, stuff. and yeah. and that stuff isn't even matching the description half the time anyway. No, no, no. Um, no. <laughs> how was a night owl like an owl um, or a raven? Night raven, excuse <laughs> right, right, me. Right, yeah, like an, an owl na- or stolas. Yeah, um, but it's actually a very specific bird. Is a thing. Yes, it refers to many things, but there is a thing called a night raven. Right. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Putu is a very good equivalent of it. Uh, so, by the time we get to Verum, um, Klepoth is referred to as a her and a she. And um, certainly the idea of, of dancing uh, is, is also equated to hear sweet music, is also equated heavily with certain operations to uh, make women dance, mm-hmm. um, or make a girl dance, or, 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 or get naked and then dance. Now, can I just transpose that to to make the men dance as well? Like, oh sure, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there are plenty of examples of of, of, of similar kinds of workings. Uh, I was just going through uh, from a completely different place the black books of Elverum with uh, uh, one of those typically simple trolldomy kind of uh, these magic words written on a piece of paper and put under your doorstep will make all the men dance at your at your house party. <laughs> um, and there's, 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 there's plenty of other examples of uh, uh, black magic dance parties. Albus, oddly enough, in the eighth, um, is bad for a bunch of stuff, but uh, is bad for uh, negromancy, but unless, and this is specified by Catan and Hayden, unless it's magic to make people dance, in which case uh, Albus's natural amiability. All you DJs out there, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually an interesting idea, is, uh, sorry, just complete random, mm-hmm. of doing a house chart of where what figures you want where like the influences of there as a talismanic mm-hmm. thing going into an event and like corresponding that with the um because there's a lot of things of I've worked with a few ideas about having the current weather that is observing now and the ideal weather and like the tracing of the fingers the moving of the candles along those things to try and invoke yeah. like um to say like we need to move it to this mm-hmm. um following the the pictorial representation of the houses which on an old way is very grid like but there's this lovely kind of gear like circular nature on a modern astrological yeah. chart um well it makes the the working with them as, as placements mm-hmm. the 192 placements of the 16 figures in the 12 signs is 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 something I'm exploring at the moment more heavily uh, and, and reflecting on and writing up and, and exploring because there are figures where they do change what they mean depending mm-hmm. on the house that, that, that like people and like spirits or, or the spirits that make up or that live in that figure uh, that they respond well to some things and badly to other things, and it's not—it's not consistent necessarily either. You know, uh, conjunctio can be both very, very honest and very, very dishonest. 
uh, depending on what's going on. But what was it? Carker Car- in in one of the houses was just like bad, bad, very bad, very, very, very <laughs> baddest. It's yeah. just like yep. <laughs> greater evil, greater mm-hmm. evil, mm-hmm. evil of the greater evils. Yep. Still bad. Yeah. Um, yep. But that, that was just still amusing. Of when I, I, you were giving a lecture once, and that slide came up, and I just <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, bad, bad, very bad. Very bad day type of yeah. It's, it's a tri- yeah, Carter um, is a, it's a tricky one. Certainly a tricky one. So I, the interesting part about spinning here, okay, I do obviously the distaff and the distaff line and the idea of of of, of women's work, mm-hmm. which ties into Martha and our idea of household magic. And this these topics were more uh, picked to be in alignment uh, than than usual. But I'm it's really kind of fun to see how they do all align. The tower was not necessarily, but it ended up tying in very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Capa Draconis. Um, and also Sarah Kali. I mean, the, the, this is the thing that I think is interesting about the the earlier translations of, of, of Klepoth turning up and having this thing about silk scarves that, mm. was, that was lost in later translations, that she, she turns up and she'll... Um, the, the one that stayed is that she'll... She's very connected to cards and to, uh, crucially, what's the way it's phrased? If playing cards... Uh, if you wish to know, uh, they can reveal in your ear the cards of the person playing with you. Mm. Right? That the, they'll they'll go round the table. So there's another kind of, of of circumambulation and tell you what other people's cards are. Which is a very powerful divination when you're playing for for bets. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of seeing what cards are in the hands of God mm-hmm. are also yeah. an interesting idea uh, of uh, moving yeah. forward. I can't. Uh, yeah. She and and certainly I I work. Uh, with that spirit heavily in terms of cartomancy. The idea of music itself, I understand the dancing side of it, but music spins in the air. Like there's, It turns the air. It transforms the air. Mm-hmm. And the, the qualities corresponding rise of, of, of the Reino de Lira, the, the kingdom of the harp, mm-hmm. of being the most Luciferian, the most Bomajeda uh, and her primal element there. And to understand also that Klepoth, I don't think was the only female in this list in this way, because you have other females listed as, or other demons listed as she, uh, in the greater context of things. Mm. I know that in the structures of Kimbanda, when it was written about in the early 20th century, after it being labeled as such by Umbanda and moving into a public forum that got merged with different condomblés and things like that mm-hmm. through the 60s and 70s, that Pumbajira uh, is... Oh, referred to as Eshu Pombajira in the older text, that like she is the female Eshu, mm-hmm. and her qualidades, her her manifestations started. There were quintessential ones. You know, you had Maria Padilla, you had uh, the Queen, the Reina de Sechen Cruzilladas, you had uh, Jose Cabrera, you had these quintessential Pombajiras. But in time, she answered to the needs, or perhaps echoed the older belief that a spirit could come as male or female based on what this was, and then hmm. the access point in the larger legions of 49 spirits, and some people argue that it is because of the mapping with the Grimoire and Verum that, that she becomes Klepoth, and, and this idea that she is, the female is in the larger context of these male spirits, but notice that also echoes the story of Odu that said that the 16 Odu come down and they neglect Oshun, um, hmm. and that, that, that there is one female to start with, and the, the the neglecting of the woman, the misunderstanding of, of what is needed to enact magic, that you cannot forget the feminine powers, hmm. that that maybe it's speaking to historical context, but the idea here that Eshu Pumbajira becomes, there are as many Pumbajiras as there are Eshus, and, and the idea of a female demon and why it's threatening to the church, now you have the idea that demons can be born. Mm. It's not just a feminine nature. So the the idea of debating the sex of the angels, they're neither 
Mm. and both, but the idea of demons producing new demons is terrifying, as opposed to stealing the seed of men and producing something that's a half-breeded demon, right, right, right. which is not the same thing, yeah. the, the nephilic uh, impulse there. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, um, the, the, the terrific power of, of, of these mothers of abomination. Yes. Oh, mothers of witches, mothers of abomination. Mm-hmm. And crucially, oh. that, you know, we're talking about working them as opposed to propitiating them, mm-hmm. and what's given at certain points uh, to keep them away. <laughs> yeah, the, those like those, um, or even the the propitiating of, of the Ajay, right? This the the forces, the the witches that are that are out there. Like, stay over there. Here, here's the offering. This needs to just go smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, here with Bombajira, we have um, a sweetness, uh, a fragrance in the air that is added to the sulfurous nature, the heat of Eshu, and the balance of what that is. And you know, from a very Male perspective, of course, this is the, the the ability of woman to seduce man and and charm him and tame him, mm-hmm. tame the beast, the Martha converting the Taraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this thing that happens as it as it evolves within, especially the last hundred twenty years, hundred years or so, um, that these these different forms of magic and and schools of thought that are called Kimbanda, Bomajira becomes your force of sensuality. She becomes the mystery of woman. She is a direct echo of the female Arishas, um, and not just all female dead throughout the times. There is a heavy reliance, or let's say in informing by, uh, and we talked about this again, the importance of, uh, theosoph- theosophical, uh, literature and uh, metaphysics in Latin America, um, through being the only things available, mm-hmm. uh, to discuss these things. But the idea of, um, archetypes becoming part of the, the vocabulary by the 40s and 50s that you could talk about this spirit that was now woman. Mm-hmm. And to a man, woman is its own mystery. And then to a practical community, when the practice starts becoming communal, as opposed to small family groups or traditions of uh, Congolese-based magic or, or, or whatever the ethnic group that was practicing something that gets converged with this kind of low spiritism that was in Brazil. We start to get the legions. We get the legions because community has to reflect its value centers where women are more prominent in larger African, you know, Afro-diasporic is such a strange term it is because are you talking religion? Are you talking traditions? Are you talking sorceries? Are you talking culture? Right? Culture, is this, a, is this a blanket term? What, what agenda is being put upon it? But when we're talking about um, both people and groups that are Africa descendancy in Brazil, these things that are derived in part from an African or, or are believed to have an African inheritance, um, women control that sphere far more. And this is uh, a very different take on things. So you see more Bomajiras coming into play mm. and the, the reliance in the early 70s and 80s of codifying what these bomajiras like what spirit comes as opposed to the older model that is still actively embraced that someone can go into a temple be possessed by a new spirit and that spirit gives its name and its sign and it says you serve me as an eshu or you serve me as a bomajira mm. meaning do i get these hot fiery things that are eshu but some eshus are take more female quote-unquote offerings or do you serve me as a bomajira mm. are you talking about the phallic force that inserts itself from the horizon this black sun philosophy of the of the of the Congolese? Mm. Are you talking about the red sun that rules over this, the world of the living and the pleasures and the experience and the things that get the blood flowing? Mm. Not just in anger, but in, in, in sensuality as well. Yeah, passionate, which for the indigenous ideas of soul work um, tend to have 
the individuality is is part of the passionate soul. Spirit is impersonal, and we take a European lens on that too. That spirit is the breath of God. This is a different animating force than your soul, mm. which is yours. Mm-hmm. Your soul is yours. It is your wants, desires, needs, and what you've done with it. Mm. Versus the the body itself, which is its own informing additional soul complex or animistic center. Yeah, yeah. And that idea of the red and the black interacting in different ways to fulfill a thing together mm-hmm. is so much more interesting than just. Uh, you know, variant foil editions of this spirit turns up in in, in collectible male form and collectible female form. Mm-hmm. Right, the idea of where they play off, where it's not just yeah, that you have the crusado. There's such a crusados can be an estuary or pomagira, and they express the the crusado kingdom in a different way right. when it's a pomagira or an eshu. But also that they that she will express herself differently for someone who has it walks with her. That's a male devotee, priest, whatever you want to call it, yeah. sorcerer, macumbero. Um, uh, Colundero, Quimandero, whatever, versus uh, a, a woman mm-hmm. and what that agency is. I think about that a lot with, um, we've, we've had a lot of talks about what it is like to have uh, the Orisha Eshu Elegua as, as a, a guiding Orisha and in our personal conversations and, and among friends. But I, I think about that of like the old taboos of uh, making women to those warriors, those 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 forces that are so strong, um, and it doesn't set them up for success. And I, you know, we want to say, no, 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 that's the head they chosen. But in this society, can a woman express what that is? Yes, they can. But it is an uphill battle. Here we're going to talk about easy, medium, hard on a video game type of thing. Mm-hmm. Of that, for a woman to have the phallic deity mm-hmm. as her guiding thing, she will be knocked down by everybody else in society that wants to maintain that women should not have that energy. Mm. And it's an interesting thing because it was the first time I started realizing it and observing women who had more. it's very hard for them mm. in a different way. It doesn't mean that men have it wonderfully easy, no. but it's still, there's a different thing there that, you know, the, the, the optics, the perceptions, the, the relationships there, much like we were talking about with household magic, mm. it, it doesn't set it up nicely we're not but in order to set it up to that we have to have more women initiated to those things and setting the way and men being initiated to to other powers and things like that too like the importance of in in these spiritualities of having a female crown or a male crown quote-unquote right and what that does to your nature yeah and this is also uh feels like it puts a nail on the that's the that's the phrase that i'm using now apparently uh (laughs) puts a nail on uh one of the themes that's been running through here when we're talking about women's magic Mm -hmm. uh we're talking about what is both you know um what what comes to we're talking both an essentialist model and also a constructivist model of of, of, of what are the things that women were allowed, right? As uh, as opposed to you know what is naturally occurring and, and and must be present for everyone who defines themselves as a woman, right? Uh, the, the 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 issue is one of uh, both the individual and their context mm-hmm. and 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 how their context um, uh, f- uh, you know uh, restricts or or, or or insists or, or impels and the. And- Bordering into uh, concepts of, of gender and and sex and uh, identity that are, I mean, let's take a lesson from the tower. Like, you cannot be too stiff in these things. Mm. And that, like we were talking about, the myths themselves would, should be changed to reflect the current needs of a people that are telling them. Mm. Um, what does that mean? Well, you know, there's there's the, the traditionalist is like, no, we have to be this certain way. You know, some questions will have to be confronted by the traditionalist lens uh, in time when, you know, we 
initiate in the ATRs through you are initiated as the gender you were born assigned at birth, um, whether or not that's your current uh, identity for yourself. And there have been people trying to figure out how to incorporate this type of thing for a long time. And I, I certainly don't have those answers. I can, I can only speak to the, I encourage the talk about it, mm. but the idea that, um, just as we use your name at birth, your, your married name is not used when you're initiated, mm. you know, the name that you were called, that your ancestors were announced to you or that you were announced to them as when you were born. Mm. And that idea of letting that identity go, I think there's a way to, I don't want to just talk about it as spinning, but there's a way to explore as to what the necessity of acknowledging who you were with everything that you were and using the initiations to heal mm. and to grow for everybody, mm. what that means moving forward. But we're not at, there's going to be 80 billion, 80 billion people, not, there's not 80 billion people in the world. I can't even pronounce the words apparently, but I know that there will, this is always a heated debate and always a heated topic. It is interesting that it comes up with the Martha, the tower, the, the, the Bombardier who throws the, the Klepoth, uh, I'm assuming Klepoth probably has the same capacity for throwing a wrench into the otherwise ways of doing things because dancing and moving around and music, it, it, it changes the air. It spins things on its head. And um, the Cassandra who is predicting the future but is not believed yet. Yeah. Um, believed in hindsight. Oh, yeah. damn, we should have listened to her. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think... And that notion of how... Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, 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 no. I, that, that, that notion of how... Uh, men and women uh, cooperate to, to not simply talk about this in terms of differences and assigned roles and things but the cooperation and the idea of an initiation being a kind of marriage and the marriage being something that benefits a community and that is a, 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 a space in which uh, not only are exchanges made and a, a thing sworn in front of the community and an a, you know, emissary of something divine, mm-hmm. but also that there's a, there's a, there's a communal way in which it, it, it echoes out and uh, something uh, in terms of the, 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 mirror, the wider mirroring of a, of a marriage between two or, or more, I guess, uh, in, 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 in other kinds of initiations uh, or marriages. Has this has this wider mirroring out of of, of what of, even is of language our, <laughs> of our processes of, of of being engaged with the divine at all, right? Mm-hmm. That that, uh, that it's uh, an alchemical meta model as well, um, and I, I, you know I like this in terms of again with the the red and the black that. Um, gosh, you know, uh, examples where people, uh, where, where spirits bring different um, skill sets and emphases and powers to each other and empower each other, not because they are two sides of the same coin, but precisely because they, they have their own um, interactions and alliances and, and affairs and, and, and whatnot. You know, the, um, the, the one that springs to mind that's very close to my heart is, you know, um, Sergisias and, and Capa Preta, right? And the, and the way in which they both are and aren't just the, 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 the lady version of this and the male version of this thing, but they, they have their own, um, you know, dominions. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, there is a Pomagira Capa Preta, but we don't want to call her with Capa Preta. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And that they, they, they assist each other mm-hmm. um, and that they bring things out of the other mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and help them bring their medicine to the world. I look at the, the pairing of, of Lucifer and Maria Padilla, which is both Grimoric and Kimbandic. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be a Kimbandic. <laughs> um, 
but the idea of, of impulse and uh, inspiration must be met with ambition in order to go anywhere. Mm. That, that you know, constant insight and constant impulse does not manifest things. It's wonderful. But Maria Padilla is the one, and now we do this. The the, the ruaching, meaning Lady Macbeth, right. of, of everything of like, we must drive this forward. It must have a womb in order to manifest. And how do we do that? Now, he has his own uh, deputies to do that as an issue, mm-hmm. but his partner, his equal in the match, is Maria Padilla for a reason. And mm-hmm. what is the relationship between Moore and, and Figueira of the of the thing that is the, the, the synthesis of everything and the inspiration there mm-hmm. is reversed. He has to guard that and protect it. And the the king and the queen of the seven crossroads, she's it's almost flipped because he she's more of a king than he is in the sense of rulership and he's right. very uh, by personality is more laid back. Right. Um uh, and it's it's interesting because having seen him come down in many different lineages, uh, he he is very similar. Hmm. Um, hmm. Some of the spirits vary a lot, but he is very similar in temperament. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting with all of this that we have our own ideas of what these things are, and we it's wonderful to go into the intellectual extrapolation of these things. But the spirits, when they're down, are far less limiting than we are hmm. by their categorizations. Um, you know. If you go to an Orisha, to an Eshu, to a Bombazira, to, to uh, someone who's doing a, a Kabbalistic banquet type of thing and, 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 and bail comes down, you can ask them questions and they're going to be very confused as to why you're putting limitations on everything. Um, the, 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 there are much less boundaries in the magical world and, and the influences, everything going back and forth. And, you know, um, you know I asked you, what, if, are we talking spinning or spinning? And you're like, yes. <laughs> and this is a very resonant answer as far as how things go in these worlds of... Um, if you are not understanding that you are writing your own grimoire when you are doing this, to pair off of my own talking, if you're not, you know, who is, what is animating the words you're doing, like mm-hmm. you, every grimoire you are reading, you are filtering through your own vantage mm-hmm. and, and you are making your own new notes because you are filling in the blanks and changing it. And this is true of every tradition we do. So what's the responsibility of continue? If you want to see what other people are doing already, then you must go back. It keeps a common point. The words are a good reference, but all words can be reinterpreted no matter what. Mm. Um, I, the little storage of power that comes with, with writing the, the encoding of kinetic prayer that is dance of, of music that changes the air, you know, in this, in the spirit of not neglecting our last little topic, because there's so much to go through, even with Klepo and Bomajira, because there's, I mean, Spinning dove, but also Bamunjila, which is the cross, like literally means crossed roads mm-hmm. in Kimbundu, which is an echo of Aluvaya and Mavila Mavambo, these different qualities of the energy that is found at the crossroads, the fire, the animating force, the memory of movement through an intersection that is echoed in different kingdoms in Kimbanda for sure. Mm-hmm. But this, this, the idea of you're crossing the street and you could be plowed into from the side if you're not paying attention. And what is this accident that happens? And why is this known as Eshu? Or why is this known as Bamunjila and or Aluvaya or these different names given to it? Ultimately, you know, in 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 the Kimbanda that, that that we know well, it just those are male and female titles, and they can be orishas in other systems of Kimbanda as well that are allied to Kondomble. But the idea of the hardening of, for as as a Lukumi would say, osobo, but it be of 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 bad a bad thing into something that we can use as a tool. Mm. This is a relationship, obviously, that that, that I like to em- embrace the kind of esoteric kimbala that I know from um, from our lineage. And and 
uh, it's not just about, you know, getting laid and, 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 and smoking the cigar and the, and the, and getting drunk on Friday, you know, when a spirit's coming, you should not feel the drunk. You should not be in your tobacco space. Mm. But the idea of, um, how do you use that venom, that torch, the thing that has the violent, sudden change, the issue that is the, the child of Oya that has prepared you for these huge things in life so that you know the world's not going to end even though it literally is ending right now. Like, what, it's mm-hmm. going, this too will turn into something. Mm-hmm. The energy has to continue. A little bit into, bear with me here, Hagstones as the, the congealed venom of the most common venomous reptile in Europe, which is the adder. Yeah. And that we call it a hag, which is the poisonous woman in mm-hmm. many ways, the dried up womb. Yeah. Um, which is weather witches and things like that, but also the the adder stone that it is the collected venom or spit of serpents that is then either thrown up into the air and hardens by nature, um, or the idea the druid stones that Pliny writes about. Yes. Um, the the um, the storages of power that is uh, talked about in the West Country of like the you know the little hole allows you to see into the other world. Yep. It cannot be man made. It must be natural in this expression, but it is made through movement of water through a rock, and people knew that. Mm-hmm that it is because you could go back and see the water pushing its way through. So the fluid nature there does tie into the clip-off movement there, that the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the earth itself is spinning. It's making a hole. It's boring through, which is serpentine yeah. in nature. Um, and something out of a river to return to our Amartha yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Alaska. Oh, see? Oh. Mm-hmm. And then it's also, uh, you know, it's, it's a coagulation of venom by some kind of mythic understandings of it, uh, for sure. You mm-hmm. know, the, the, it is both the 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 bane and the and the blessing or mm-hmm. the boon right it's the the thing that allows access uh, or that it's from the the head of the serpent itself mm-hmm. which um is uh comes from in some versions the serpent being cast out of the garden and children being told to throw stones at it mm-hmm. that the the stone calcifies from the wounds it receives of being shunned that it is its own this this memory there hmm. of that it is a a storage of the original mm. you know the and i've even seen uh the comparison of the first tree the the the, the tree of the gar- uh, knowledge of good and evil that the serpent was around mm-hmm. that the the hole in the hagstone is that's the thread the, the hagstone is the serpent wrapped around it mm. it has this memory or that it's caused by the bite the venom and that the hagstone the beauty of it is that it's the venom that is passed through meaning that there's there's a way for the venom to pass through the person that they're not going to die from it yeah um, yeah and certainly plenty of traditions of um, putting uh, collecting dew. And mm-hmm. putting dew through it, mm-hmm. a way of uh, that it, 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 you've you've created a, a door, mm-hmm. an open door. Uh, a, a, a the dew shall make a door. A, yeah, a dragon's head that you can pass it through. A dragon's eye as well that you, you know, and that you can collect those tears. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 that works a thing that you see into the the other realm. So it has that piercing quality. Mm-hmm. Rends, uh, it doesn't rend the veil so much as like gives you a little peephole. Mm-hmm. And the, the concept of an egg being the potential for new life of the thing. So if it's called an adder's egg or a serpent's egg, like mm-hmm. what is its potential? What is it possibly birthing? Yeah. And it's it's used to store witch power. Hmm. Um, witch power and <laughs> witch power. Um, I like its use. I, I use one um, uh, with uh, the whole thing about having a cord attached to it and then uh, wrapping it around the hand mm-hmm. and, and, and holding it in, in dream to dream through. Mm-hmm. And it feels again like a version of um, the several stones in beds for, for dreaming, right? A lot of them are 
putting it under a pillow and yep. that whole thing that we talk about we've talked about uh, a couple times before of uh, a lot of dream incubation stuff is about making an uncomfortable night's sleep mm-hmm. so that you're you're rising and falling out of like um, you know different different states of uh, of sleep and, and, and dream and mm-hmm. hypnagogic states. The stone is pierced by the, the, the antler of a deer. Like the the idea that the hag stone is connected to dream is always lovely, but the 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 horn and ivory parallel that goes into mm. to it. So the, the this is just based on ivory being related to false. Um, horn, which one's which? Horn is true, mm-hmm. true dream. Ivory is false dream. Um, but it's it's a Greek play on words. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, that that carries out, and that the idea that the hagstone is connected to dream for some people in in I would say I don't think I've seen it earlier than like the 19th century mm-hmm. references. But the idea that the stone has been pierced by the the horn of dream oh, yeah, to help yeah. make it true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that because ivory going into that would shatter. Mm-hmm. Ivory going into a rock, but somehow the deer, the magical deer, the stag of seven tines makes it all better. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, the idea, too, of uh, when some of us like to... We don't tie a hagstone onto a string unless it's being bound permanently. Mm. Um, so if you're wearing one, it's a slipknot. It's something that's not a true so that it could come off of it at any time. Um, uh, recently running into um, Julia of Oculta, um, who, who lives in uh, Catalonia mm-hmm. at the Virgis Gina Symposium. It was lovely comparing pretty and traditional hmm. elements to that and realizing that we were both wearing hagstones the same way. Um, certain number of knots that are tied in them. It was like, okay. So nothing's quite as isolated because it is the same damn mountain range <laughs> that I know well. But um, the just the the wearing of a hagstone to bind it permanently was, is a different thing than to be able to loosen it. What is a hagstone? It's movement through this world, the ability to see through into the invisible world, hmm. to see through the holes in the cloth of, of reality in that way. Um the belief of the keyhole it's a portable keyhole and that uh, you cannot look into a hagstone for too long because something will come and poke you in the eye which can blind you uh, which may give prophecy but the idea of breathing in through the hagstone and what are you breathing in from the other world and like can you use this like um, like a, a little portable uh, watt converter Egyptian wise like, can I reach <laughs> into this thing and pull it yeah. out yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the relationship to uh Harvest time and the, the the what that means at the end the successful interaction with the world around you but the there are a few modern traditional craft groups and I'm being very distinct there that associate the hagstone with um, lamas and and going into the dark time of the year preparing for that so um, is it taking what you need from the other world and getting going into it is it capturing the light and going into the darkness with it is it the the kind of pan-European mythology of serpents stealing the sun, mm-hmm. um, going into it and the eggs and stealing their eggs mm-hmm. and using their eggs to make sure that you're going into the darkness with knowing like we're going to conquer. Mm-hmm. So what's the relationship there to the the trees of midsummer that are burned and St. John's Eve and yeah. um, the hairy serpents, the, mm-hmm. the hairy stars, mm-hmm. um, the wandering stars and the trails that go there? Mm. I think this, I mean, the hairy stars gives me pause in terms of in terms of very practical a stone with a hole allows you to tie it, uh, allows you to suspend it, allows it to be kept in the air and that tension between uh, a rock that is brought aloft mm-hmm. is, is, you know. And it contains the air, like it's, it's, it, it, it is, yeah, it's, it's holding the air, it's making it, it's, yeah. The, was it Menantol, the, the giant wheel stone, like the, uh, the Cornish 
site where it's like a phallic rock and a, and a large stone that you can pass through. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of being given fertility by the earth because there's something you can pass through. Um, it's always ties back to fertility, but what does that mean? Um, <laughs> right. Uh, on one very level, obviously, just babies. But the idea that in uh, there's a belief that the Irish lore about them might be dealing with eels um, because there's there's no serpents there anymore, um, or perhaps there never were. Um, yeah. Does that mean there's a brazen eel in Irish early interpretations of Christianity? Because that could be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Certainly, eels present plenty of bizarre practices of fish, uh, serpent, tarascas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of of gathering and being a, a like a swarm, and you know, re- particular eel species that go back to the same spot uh, species wise, and that are you know going there to breed, but also will go over there despite the changing rivers, mm-hmm. and will will kind of give each other a boost in this writhing mass of things. There was a coming up great documentary style. on Netflix dealing with eels oh, yeah. but it was showing that we we didn't we haven't researched them nearly as much as we have many other creatures but that it, at least the ones they were examining here that were all the ones that were going up into um, French Canada mm-hmm. and upstate uh, northeastern United States were all breeding in the ocean and were microscopic and making their way back up to the rivers so they were all of two waters mm. and the the serpent the dragon the, the lore of what that is but the the river going back to the ocean and the ocean becoming a river mm. and and the relationship there and it, it, you know my own obsession with the hudson of it flowing back and forth because it's it's a tidal estuary but it, you know the hudson flows north for six hours and then south for six hours hmm. constantly back and forth um but it, i have my own fascinations with eels there and the, the rivers that are serpents and what they are mm. um Mm. I think there's uh, hagstones themselves. The the anointing with your own saliva to counteract the venom of the of the of the adder is you know a common belief. The idea that they are intrinsically feminine by nature um, and are used by many people in the in the traditional craft community to represent the the, the feminine, the, the portal to the other world, but as well as the the echoing the vagina itself and its portal to the other world inside of a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the use of it to represent the dead craft mothers in that way, mm. um, in addition to specific uh, hag-like goddesses of the mm. land um, or or old witches, the black anises and the the, the mother shiptons of the world. <laughs> um, I think all that is is fascinating. Uh, the Russian I know connects them to the chicken god, um, which is its own thing because I know that. In a lot of Alpine lore, not just Alps, but mountainous regions of Europe, hagstones are often considered, are, are parts of charms that are used with chicken dung, which mm. I find a very interesting thing, because chickens, again, evoke the St. Peter thing of the crying of the sun through the rooster, and like there is this thing of light and serpents, things all mixing mm. in what it is. Do we um, get the same ideas I don't, uh, in Russian chicken lore about them scratching up the earth and about being protective in that sense or I don't know I don't know enough yeah I don't I know that um that the the stones were related to the those are the domovoi are the household spirits mm-hmm. and that the there's something to the female the wives of the domovoi are in the in the field in the in the yard okay um the domestic uh their wives are are where the chickens roam right so might they protect the sanctity of the house through uncovering things mm. I mean, I am sure anybody who is familiar with chickens knows they scratch up and unter- upturn things, so right. a little convergent evolution in mythology is going to happen, but I um, have to ask uh, uh, Katie 
Um, <laughs> it's a good person to ask. As a as an egg, you know, it's worth pointing out as well that they are protective and, mm-hmm. and also hung to protect cattle and protect from lightning as well, specifically. Um, there are people that clean off with them too, yeah. or use them to uh, temporarily wrap a cord through that could that cord can be used. Somebody's clothes pass through it if it's a large one. Um, using it as the handle for an aspergillum so that that is permanent. Oh, I've certainly heard of like the big ones that people like. Can, you can put put a whole person through from head. And its relationship to the cutting of a tree, which is very done in the it's done in the Pyrenees, done in the Alps, and right. done in the Black Forest of like literally cutting a tree so there's a vaginus and, and pulling someone through it in that way mm-hmm. or tying two tree branches up. Right, making um, a circle with the with the branches, yeah. And a lot put, of that in Trollden. Um But all of that there is it just Hagstones have a huge lore and plus, you know, uh it's it's definitely one of the stones that's on the chalkboard in the Wickerman when he goes to the school. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> uh which is always good. Prevents the Yeah, there's other Mayday stuff about them, right? Um am I am I making that up? I'm uh, sure. That they yeah, that you. Yeah, yeah. In 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 Wales, there um, uh, there's a notion of them being created by that Congress of, of Snakes thing, um, but that this is meant to occur particularly um, or is suspicious or is especially auspicious if you find one around May Eve. Hmm. Everything's auspicious if it's around May Eve. It's true. It's the, the vagina is opening of the of the earth I don't just mean it's not like around clockwork although tegus around clockwork I found out that many tegu owners mm-hmm. in talking to Troy um their tegus all start to, they go to sleep at different times but they all wake up around the same time of the year it's like they're on some weird like northern and hem- southern hemisphere they don't care mm. they come up from hibernation internal like somewhere within a few weeks internal of each other clock. it's like oh. well mine went to sleep in october mine went to sleep in september mine went to sleep in late november and somewhere around mid march they're like did your tegu just wake up yes um, that's fascinating to me. Talking to each other. Yeah, they're 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 dreaming the dream of Cthulhu. They're, 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 yeah, <laughs> Tegu dream space. Oh, mm. um, yeah, but no one will believe them. Yeah, no. even if they could talk about it. Yeah. Okay, I think um, in the interest of, of sound compression, if nothing else, um, we should we can I, I wind it up. But uh, do you have any? new insights between all these things tying together that gosh i mean there's been a you know um we knew this was going to be you know uh, an episode celebrating uh the feminine and, and and women's uh magics and uh saints and uh demons uh so it's been it's been great to 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 frame that and to for this for, for what can look like oh there's the the one that the the girl one demon right that this is you know <laughs> the, the addressing a tokenism and that we uh, have so many dead magicians when we started thinking about you know wider uh, women who were kind of witchy but but not uh, especially opening up mythically so it's been it's been a good one yeah I I w- certainly. Um, use the on-air social pressure of seeing if we can get your wife and some of our, our good friends mm-hmm. uh, to to give their perspective. I, I really do want to uh, include others in the conversation. Um, uh, it's worth speaking just because it's immediately after the, the time we did it, but um, we recently did a, a, a night of folk necromancy, um, which the Lectures are available on YouTube and mm-hmm. on the website uh, under the episode listings. And it was uh, uh, Al and, and myself and um, the lovely uh, Mallory, who is um, Al has the unique privilege of being married to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's this wonderful thing of 
um, I I enjoy both of you so much, but not but and there, <laughs> but um, I'm done. <laughs> um, I'm tired. Al, I can't do vegetarianism anymore. Um, he tries to poison me with his heavy cream. Uh, no, it is so important and refreshing to be around people that yes are excited about the same things you're excited about, but also offer. They're like, I think you're wrong about this because here's what my thoughts are. And I think it's important to, to increase the difference of opinions in magic. I think mm-hmm. the default that I see in the uh, Liber AF magical <laughs> lens, of which I'm limited to my quote-unquote friends mm-hmm. and acquaintances and other things that I see, but it's to believe that when someone says something that they think that it's the only way and mm-hmm. to condemn them for it. And I, you know, I can use... Uh, Jake as an example of someone who I think thought from reading him was proposing one thing one way and like you talk to him in person and he'll be like oh argue with me let's go let's I'm gonna I'll, I'll buy the first round mm-hmm. I'll buy the first two rounds mm-hmm. and argue let's go and I really um you know the way that we do this too is we try not to reveal to each other our own research and what we find interesting on these topics because otherwise we'll blow our wad um and um you know we've it's you can't squeeze come back in the penis um which is a variant on what sister patrice in eighth grade told me which is a you can't squeeze toothpaste back in the tube Uh uh but i can try um you think that's what she meant i do think that's exactly what she meant she also told me she gray hair didn't run in her family and that's why she was obviously older and had perfectly brown hair all of a uniform color Mm -hmm. definitely not from a box sister patrice i saw through that um but a, a wonderful teacher in many other ways she still taught me a lot from that but i i i look forward to increasing um the the conversation with with others yeah. who, who think very differently from us and um the the lax the lecture we did the night of folk necromancy got a, a few wonderful uh reachings out on 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 the the facebook that were like I don't agree with you, but I'm really glad you said these things mm-hmm. and like, let's keep talking. And, and that type of thing I think is, is wonderful. Um, just the, the, the community formed by the, the uniting of the Tarasca and the Martha is mm. really important. Um, that the, the maintenance of our own education and vantage merged with the, the new Tarascas that come down from the hills and how do we incorporate this even when it's, um, you know, that the repulsion and rejection are as valuable as attraction and, um, magnetism in that way. Oh yeah, 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 and 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 that that uh, insight has to be married with the ambition to actually want to say it, uh, at which itself has to be uh, leashed from being like I am the dragon of everything that is right, <laughs> and I hoard all of the the, the truth gold. You uh, are the headless dragon because you are a caput draconis, mm. um, the head of the dragon, and it's got nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also it's just referring to the Draco constellation, the circumpolar star, the the, the hagstone that Draco is around the the North Star and the Little Bears. Well, but we've <laughs> talked about the when when headlessness implies a when a when a uh, 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 only a head implies headlessness, mm-hmm. uh, not just as a oh it must be somewhere, but that must be what it's referring to, which is categorically not the case. Mm-hmm. With the, you know, the dragon's tail isn't just its tail; it's everything that isn't the head. Yes, so that's the headless stuff. Well, interestingly, if the head evokes headlessness by its nature, then what is the the, the decapitated body right. and the 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 bromos of the world mm. um, the, the that had their heads on their bellies? But mm. it's interesting the uh, side of it. If I think on the Coatlicue side or the um, uh, Chinamastica side, 
So Kwatlikwe, the Aztec uh, serpent skirt is her name, uh, but the, the earth energy that she is beheaded and she is depicted with serpents of blood that form her new head mm. on the statue, that she is this giant earth monster that's netted with a, 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 a with serpents as a skirt, which mm-hmm. is the, the waves of energy over the earth, but also the Chinamastica, which is... Um, Emanation six, right of the of the Mahavidyas, of uh, her servants are starving, and so they're in a famine in a desert, and the only thing she can do is to chop off her own head. So the streams of blood, she holds her own head in her hand, it's nourishing it, and her two servants are now saved by the blood flowing out. So there's three streams, mm-hmm. which is in in that the headlessness of those figures nourishes the whole world. Their head mm-hmm. has blown up. The tower has the earth has um, indeed. Uh, ejaculated into the skies, it, it has now become headless in the way that the head is now big, and we invoke the, you know, it's all in your head, but we don't know how big your head is. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Ducat, for that axiom. Um, but that's interesting with all of this, that that what is household magic? Everything. <laughs> you know, what is violent sudden sudden change? It's every day's occurrences right. of the not knowing. Waking making, up. Yeah, we convince ourselves. <laughs> waking up, you know, exactly. Um, the breathing, the, the violent changes of an in-breath followed by an out-breath and what that means and what do we do when we hold it. Um, you know, tarragon adds a little sweetness, but I, I still think that that relationship with Sampasuchil and Yaudli of the flower of the dead, the spice of the dead, how can we give a mild flavor to these things and, and erase the stench of death, which mm-hmm. was a big thing for... Um, the raising of Lazarus and the stench he had already begun to decay in the desert heat and like you should have been here and then to say oh yeah okay let's not worry and how you know but now that I've done this thing again you know more empires to conquer but like going into the passion of of our own limitations and death and to fulfill what we are here to do um that Martha fulfills what she is doing by wrestling wrestling the Tarasca mm. and um becoming the the saint of the unheard class, mm. the servants, and the the women who are uh, at home and underestimated, as well as those people who adore Martha's relationship to the dead and the witnessing of the light in darkness. Um, mm. Hagstones and turning those children's throwing throwing stones at your head and like passing through and containing the fairy realm in a, in a little tiny ring, yeah, like a fairy ring of mushrooms. That's fascinating. And, and the ring of uh, of spinning around, the ring of the, uh-huh. the table of those at, with cards at play. Mm-hmm. The lazy Susan that becomes uh, the feast of Pomajira. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The spinning dove. Which themselves and, traces the the circumference of the tower that crumbles into itself. Uh, whether yeah, the, or not the, it's received something. <laughs> the navel of the earth, the omphalos that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that erupts and collapses. And the... Um, uh, the ring of fire that the sun creates by by its movement. Yeah. The gold of that, what that is, all that is fascinating. The 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 ring of truth that Cassandra presents you, the nugget that is a rock, and you are able to pass through the center of it because you don't even notice what it's what it can mm-hmm. like it's it's fascinating. Yeah. So um the I gristle guess. of meaning that can be can be can be chewed on but never never quite taken apart that passes through. Especially when you're a vegetarian now. Mm-hmm. It's mm. very difficult. Yeah. I don't know what gristle you're getting yeah. normally. Um, you prefer yours in the in the human stock of. Never mind. That's going. My apologies, Mal. Um, uh, but yeah. So praise and homage to the glorious Saint Martha mm. in all of her manifestations. Martha la buena, Martha la mala, uh, Martha the dominator. Um, to Klepa, to Pomajira, to the Tarasca, mm. to the upside down torch of Martha, to the the adders 
eggs and the adder's stones yeah. and the chicken chicken deities, little and, yeah, and the, friends and the eggs the, laid by hags and the yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's a whole other yes. Uh, we're coming. We're coming, Black Anis and Eric, though, believe me. Um, uh, and the the headlessness of the dragon that evokes its head. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's we are under the influence of its head because it is not. It no longer contains it for us. Mm-hmm. We're all under it now. You and know. the pearls that spill from its mouth. But I am your daughter. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And the householders. The and householders. Those, and the house of held other houses. The house of the world. Il est allé. The house of life. The world of life. Um, and as we go, the breath exchange. So, um, may your breathing be excited and your, and may buffaloes carry you into sweet little dreams of ill laid hag babies. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> may you be believed when you awaken. Oh, yes. Um, yes. May you believe yourself. If nothing mm. else, don't become a Cassandra to yourself. Oh. Cassandra to the world, but never Cassandra to yourself is better than, mm. yeah. Um, so with that, uh, uh, a happy feast day, a happy end of July to you, uh, if that is when you are hearing this, and uh, look forward to seeing what things come for the next episode. And uh, please write us, fight with us, contest things, point out errors, point out differences in thought. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, don't be an ass about it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know. But you or, can be an asp, but or, not an ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least be uh, be funny about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, come, come join uh, first rounds on Al. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently so. Uh, okay, and uh, some big announcements coming soon. So t- stay tuned, stay tuned, stay mm-hmm. tuned, uh, and uh, let let the uh, Golgothite banner fly. All right, Golgoths, uh, peace. Take care, everyone.